Welcome to the Take 92 podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I'll be your host. And we've got a very special episode today. Um, I recently went out to Minnesota and visited a lot of uh, friends and met a lot of new people as well. And it was for Idea's birthday, five years after his passing. And it was a pretty profound experience for uh, myself as, as a, not only a longtime fan, but a person who knew him for a brief time at the end of his life. And um, that was a crazy experience in and of itself. But in those last five years, all the people that I've met, the community that's, that's gathered around him is a testament to how many lives he touched. And uh, someone of, of his skill and his success level having that kind of humility and and compassion for his fans and for other artists is just it's just a unique and and rare quality and i got to sit down with 14 different people who contributed to this event in some way um and uh hear their stories as to how they met idea and were introduced to his music and um I'm really excited to to share this with you guys. A side note about the sound quality and the format. Um, We're changing it up a little bit because we got so many guests. I usually do like an hour, hour and a half with somebody, but we're doing about five, ten minutes apiece with everybody. And then I'm sitting down with Crush Kill Recordings, label manager, Radio Rourke at the end for a a full-length interview. And uh, the sound quality varies a little bit as I had to uh, give up my recording equipment at one point to document the show itself for a a possible DVD. So there's going to be times where it sounds like studio. There's going to be times where there's a sound check going on in the background, times where we record on the iPhone and and some audio interference on some of these. But uh, I think we got some, some really great substance here and some great stories about the man and his influence and and how he touched us so uh thank you guys for tuning in and uh i i am honored to be part of this this event e a e a all right so uh here we are on location in uh minneapolis minnesota absolutely and uh we're at first ave at the idea five-year birthday celebration Mm -hmm. and um i'm sitting here with c's mics hey how are you doing good how are you i feel like i feel like can i curse go ahead i feel like a fucking hat compared to you you got like a computer a microphone set up when i do my podcast i just roll up to random people with my iphone i'm like talk (laughs) well sometimes you don't you don't need all this but uh like i said i'm the new guy i'm I'm figuring it out Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's how i know so um i just wanted to get uh, an excerpt with uh, some of the performers tonight Word. i'm gonna have a conversation with uh, brady from crush kill but okay. um how were you introduced to ideas music first of all okay uh i first i started rhyming in like 94 95 all right so by 99 2000 when he was winning all the battles i was doing battles in the dc area and so he was the guy that was winning scribble jam and uh rocksteady so I just got tapes and would just dive into watching his battles and sort of diagram that. And then the next thing I was like, oh, and he also makes amazing records, too, with idea and abilities. Yeah. Um, and that really influenced me to, to be able to do a little bit of everything, you know, try everything, freestyle, battle, make records, as opposed to, you know, pick one lane and stay with it. 
Um, and then eventually uh, I got to tour with them. I was in a group called Educated Consumers for a long time. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, man. Thank yeah. you. One of the original Crush Kill acts, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They, put, they put out the last album that we did called Winning Winter. Um, so I had known idea through battles, and then um, I hit him, it was crazy, on MySpace in like 2007 or eight, and I saw that he and Abilities were doing an East Coast run. And so I just messaged him. I was like, hey, man, it's Cole. Um, we'll do these shows, like seven or eight shows. We'll do it for free. Here's my number. And I didn't think I'd hear from him. And the next day he called. And he was like, all right, cool. You awesome. Know, yeah. You know, I mean, when we talked about it later, he was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't just like in a daze and like rolled out of bed and called you. He was like, you know, I checked out your stuff. He's like, I knew who you were and was aware of what educated consumers had done, but I wanted to see where you're going. He's like, you know, absolutely. That's awesome. So, yeah, I've, I've heard those kind of stories from people before where they write to him and never expect to hear anything. Right. And, and he's so personable and just, yeah. you know. Was it, it was always, and I'm sure you, you had this experience with him too, where I think that there's a lot of, not even fakeness, it's just sort of people being polite, but you don't expect that uh, integrity from somebody who was as high up as he was. Yeah, that, that's what blew me away is, is like when I met him, it was after a sound check when we were going to open for him. Yeah. And the sincerity of like, yeah. I'm just setting up the merch table and he walks up and starts asking me all these questions right. about the band and why we do what we do. And we talk about recording techniques and like 15 minutes later, you know, he's telling me about how by the throat is made and yeah. all this stuff. I'm like, what, why does the star destroyer guy <laughs> give a fuck about me right, <laughs> right now? Right. And, and it, it blew me away. Yeah. I think it was well, he saw the interconnectedness in yeah. everybody. And it was like, he was the star destroyer guy and, and we are who we are, but we were all connected in some way. And he wanted to tap into that, you know? Well, and the great thing is that uh, even now, five years later, I'm still meeting people all the time right. who I would have never crossed paths with if it weren't for events like this or even I'm out there on, on tour and, and people see, you know, the first words out of my mouth are, my name is Sammy Warmhands from right. Crush Kill Recordings. Right. And people come up to me and, and tell me their idea stories every night. I'm sure right. you get the same. Yeah. And, and so, like, even, even now, after his passing and years have gone by, the community's still growing yeah it's in, amazing. in his wake that's yeah it really does show you how one one person really can make that much of a difference i think it's easy to feel like you're getting lost in the mix but one person if they persevere and, and i mean he was otherworldly talented but i think that it was important to him on and off the stage to be that legit and straightforward with people and it does go a long way you know yeah and you can see that with you know the people around him too whether right. it's kathy or whoever that that that, that genuine um, Except for Brady. Yeah, Brady sucks, but <laughs> we'll get to that later. So, Thank you. Uh, um, all right, so where can they find Seize Mike's music? If you go to SeizeMikes.com. How do you spell that? S-E-E-Z-M-I-C-S. Uh, and, and you've got your own podcast, right? I do. I have a podcast called Chrome Bills, C-H-R-O-M-E-B-I-L-L-S. That's on iTunes and SoundCloud. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you, Sammy. E-A-E-A. And next time, speaking with my friend Michelle Kearney, who is uh, going to be kicking off the show tonight and talking about the band that she put together just for this event. We don't really have a name. We are kind of going back and forth with Cannabis Incognivity Syndrome, just because it was funny. All right. But um, five-piece band. Uh, we've been together for like seven weeks. We came together to do the show. Awesome. Yeah. So you go pretty far back with Michael, right? Yeah. How did you... Was we grew up on the same block together, so I'm a few years older than him, um, and his mom and I have been friends since, God, I was like 18, 19? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, Mikey was just one of the kids on the block, and 
we used to watch him do the break dancing in the driveway and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And then his mom asked me to give him vocal lessons um, shortly before he did the Blaze Battle. Okay. So, so still, he's still probably 17 around that time? 16, something like that? 17, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was probably about six months before he did the Blaze. Um, and he was just starting to set up the studio in the basement. So then you do vocal lessons for how long? Um, I did vocal lessons with him for a few months. Um, he really just needed to learn some breathing techniques because he was running out of air. Which is everything when you're rapping that fast. It is, yeah. All yeah. the time. And that was the problem was like he would run out of air before he would get done with like a stanza before he could finish saying it. He'd yeah. have to like take a breath and then the flow's gone and everything. So I taught him some techniques and that was where we started. And then he really wanted to learn how to sing. So we went into some some singing which was very entertaining for me and he worked really hard and we had a lot of fun doing it i remember one time uh we were talking about by the throat and when the the first i think before they even put a single out they put out a video on rhyme series of a live performance of spin cycle yeah and i was like whoa this sounds pretty cool and then the chorus comes in and he's singing it and i was like this is weird and you go yeah you could thank me for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly and, uh, it yeah. yeah it was one of those records where like i heard the one song by itself and i was like i don't know what the fuck this is and then i heard the whole album and i was like oh god okay this makes perfect sense <laughs> yep exactly yeah so he had a lot of fun with it and that was just who he was was expanding everything all the time and reaching out and branching out and going further and pushing himself further and just getting to where he wanted to be and I don't even know that he knew where he wanted to be. I feel like for a creative person it's all about the journey of you yep. know the process of, of finding what the next thing is going to be. Yep. Um, you get you get to that level that you were looking at and then you just want to keep going further and doing more. Well, at least I do. And I felt like listening to some of his stuff it was almost like okay I've mastered this I'm going to try something totally different and yeah. do Carbon Carousel or do Face Candy or yeah. something like that. Yeah with Carbon Carousel it was kind of um we went to a show that he did at a place that doesn't exist anymore, the Artist Quarter. Uh-huh. And I hadn't heard any of the jazz fusion crazy stuff that he was doing yet. And we walked into the basement and we, we were just standing there like, what, what is he doing? And then he like started singing and I was like, oh my God, he's using it. And it was pretty pretty incredible so you were probably pretty stoked when we started doing the solo stuff then too like the win in rome and that kind of stuff oh yeah i was i was yeah i was really really happy that he was doing all of that and not not necessarily like getting out of the rap game or whatever you want to call it i'm not i'm not hip-hop but sure um and I, I, and I didn't ex- used to be, so yeah, yeah exactly, I get it. Exactly, right. I we, get come, it. we come from the same school. So um, it was just really awesome to see him expanding out and trying new things and not getting stuck. Because I see a lot of musicians, like a lot of really incredible musicians, talented, um, smart, really creative, and they get stuck. You know, like they find one thing that they're really good at and they kind of stick there. Yeah, just like, kind of try to repeat, yeah, the, the, yeah, capture the success of the last rinse, thing. Or, repeat, yeah. Yeah. And... And like you said, he's always trying to go on to the next thing and like, oh, I did this really well. Let's try this and see how well this works out. So that was really, really cool to see. Really um, cool. Do you, uh, before we go, do you have any um, like favorite memory from back in the day growing up on the block that you maybe to, you'd like to share? You want me to cry right here, No, right I now? don't. Oh. Just maybe okay. a funny one. Um, how about- he did have a really great sense of humor and he was always 
picking on me and I didn't really have that kind of sense of humor back then to be able to let him chastise me but so you couldn't I, flick the shit back then no yeah. no I would get all offended and then he would laugh and he'd be like I'm just messing with you and it he was he was awesome um, I think my favorite memory is the day that he got all of like the original Pro Tools that he had and he got his Mac and everything and he kept calling me and calling me like we live two houses down my mom still lives two houses down from us yeah so, and he kept calling and calling and calling and I finally answered the phone and he was like, you got to come over here. And, um, so I went over and we set up everything and then I went into the studio and he wanted to see how the auto tune feature on the Pro Tools worked. And so I went into the little sound booth and I don't know if you know that it was like a closet, right? With a no, window No, I've, I've only seen out. how it is now. Okay. So the room that is the merch room now yeah. was the original studio and back in the corner where that single bed is where people stay, yeah, that used to be a closet, and there was a hole cut out, and we put a piece of glass in there, and then put a door on it. So it was literally like you're standing in a closet that wasn't much bigger than this table. Yeah, just a vocal booth. Yeah, just a vocal booth with a mic on a boom stand. And so I start singing, and he and Janessa... And he's fucking with the auto-tune? Right, and he's messing with the auto-tune, and he's like, okay, sing something, and I start singing, and he's like, well, sing something off-key. And so I'm trying to sing something (laughs) off-key, and trying, and trying, and he's like... And Janessa and he are just standing there, staring through the window, and Janessa's like, how does she do that? He's like, I have no idea. Well, how do you unthink all the training you've done? Exactly, exactly. Like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get that done. That's funny to me, because it makes me think of my favorite face candy moment when they're playing with the auto-tune on, oh. on the second record. Yes. I, yeah. I loved watching the, the outtakes of that on the DVD of them just rolling around on the floor laughing at yeah, it. Yeah, and trying trying to just mess everything up. Yeah. 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 It was a good he time. had a lot of fun. And that was that was the best thing about him is that he was so lighthearted. And, um, and as heavy as the music got, he was always just a, a, a pleasant dude. He and was. every person I've met is, you know, talk about how he's always bringing people up and, and uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, he's always um, using his he's powers He's always taking for the good. elevator back down and bringing the next person up with him. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. I really thank appreciate you. it. Can't wait yeah. for the show tonight. Yeah, I'm stoked. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm stoked. Yeah, it's going to be a party. It's going right, to be thanks. fun. Thanks, Sammy. E-A-E-A. What was your favorite word that you wanted to bring back? <laughs> um... Pontificate. Oh, okay. I think more people need to pontificate their thoughts. Good save, by the way. <laughs> All right, so uh, here we are again on location at the First Ave show, the five-year uh, birthday celebration for Idea, and I'm sitting with uh, my man Sadistic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. We're all uh, we're all here to talk about Idea, so... Um, can you remember the first time that you heard his music? How were you introduced to his sound? Yeah, um, it was like 2004, I think. And I drove like two hours from eastern Washington to Seattle before I lived there and uh, to catch an atmosphere show. <clears throat> and at the time, I didn't, I'd never even heard Ideas of Music. I just recognized the name yeah. uh, from the internets. And I was just completely blown away by his performance. Um, were it, they doing the? Was that the ENA record was out at that it point? It was before the ENA record. So, um, yeah, at the time I didn't know what to expect, and when he came out, I was completely surprised by what he looks like. Yeah, and then I, you know, I was like, "Who's this guy?" And then he just started fucking wrecking it immediately, and uh, 
he did an acapella start of even shadows have shadows yeah and then where abilities like drops the drums part way through or whatever and it was it like it definitely made a big impression on me especially like at a point where I was more impressionable with music and, and I wasn't as like jaded with something so some some things could reach me easier And were you making music at that point? yeah but not very well okay no yeah I mean I was making music at that point but I was still definitely like in the early stages of finding myself I just wasn't aware of it um, but it was it was a great performance uh, I remember he played Now and things like that that weren't yeah. out yet and, um, and it was definitely the highlight of that show for me it just it was such a pleasant surprise. So I remember like seeking out, uh, trying to find his records the next day around Seattle, and I couldn't find them. And yeah, it was a cool lineup, man. It was Grayskull, uh, Blueprint, oh, ENA, man. and then Atmosphere. Wow, I forgot what the yeah, tour was called. Out to it everybody. was cool though. Yeah, I, a- I remember Atmosphere killed it too. So um, when did you when did you actually meet Michael? Um, the first time I met him uh, was at a show in Seattle that I was opening for them. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember distinctly him introducing himself as Michael and me being like slightly taken aback because I was used to rappers introducing themselves by monikers. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, which is cool. It's kind of telling of, of his approach, I think. So did you guys, did you guys end up touring together or just doing some shows or we were on a tour together, but we didn't tour as like oh, that's right. and sadistic it was um he did the acoustic was, thing right yeah it was one of my like really early tours that i i booked myself and uh i contacted christoph crane um to see if he wanted to do it too and when he agreed then uh i don't remember how long it took but idea just called me out of the blue and he was like hey you're going on tour and i think that's a good idea you and chris working together and i was like cool and he, he said uh he was like do you have a merch guy I was like, no. And he said, do you want one? And I was like, are you offering to be the merch guy? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm going <laughs> roll. And, you know, he was kind of like showing us um, some of the ropes that we weren't aware of yet. And, like, it was cool. And he ended up playing, like, some acoustic sets along the way and was slanging his poetry book. And it was cool. It was, it was a fun It was a fun time. It was definitely one of those times where, like, you don't realize it in the moment, but you're like making memories you're going to cherish later. You know, it was oh, like, yeah. rap, it was like rapper summer camp. It was pretty cool. And I, I, now that we're talking about it, I remember that because that is when I met you and, and Chris was, oh, yeah, that was a, that tour, just a huh? few months after we had met both, uh, Where the was it? guys in Eugene. It was in Portland. Um, uh, oh, yeah, at, um, yeah, Michael called, uh, at Webb. And he said, hey, I'm coming through Portland Kelly's with some Olympian. friends of mine. Yeah, Kelly's. Yeah. And, and he's like, I would love for you guys to meet him. If you can make it up here, you know, I'll get you in. And so we went up there. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, and I remember was... him jumping out of the van and giving us all hugs and like, these are my yeah. friends. What I remember about that show was um, we were doing what ended up being Chemical Burns uh, was called Waltz before that. The first when we first started working on that. And it was on this, uh, this, the song Emancipator produced because it was going to be for the project Emancipator and I did that just kind of got shelved. Yeah. Um, but at that time, uh, we tried to play it a few times on tour, and every time um, Idea would like kind of biff his lyrics and then just freestyle from it, but it was always yeah. a little trickier because it was like a 6 eighths time signature, so it's a little yeah. trickier to freestyle on. <clears throat> um, probably not for him, but for most human beings. <clears throat> but so I, rem- excuse me. So I remember him... You know, we never really got through the full song until we had that Portland show, and that was the only time 
that that whole song was performed in its entirety. It was to, it was to a different beat. I wish and I would have got sure some video remember, of that or yeah, something. There is, I don't think there is any, but there weren't a whole lot of people there, as you're, I'm sure you remember. Yeah, there was probably 10, yeah, 15. maybe less than 20 people there. Yeah, that was the only time that song happened live, and, and I don't think anybody even realized at the time, let alone me. What it was, yeah, what it was going to be, and yeah. that. I remember that show being fun because I used to stand next to my friends at ENA shows and be like, you know, this little run, it's coming up, this line's coming up, and like, yeah, you know, yeah. jumping up and down, like, oh my God, and singing along to this part, like, oh, you're going to get so hyped on ENA right now. And I remember he was doing that for you guys. And yeah, yeah. like during during your parts, like he we're standing next to each other and he's like, oh, this part. And yeah, like, he you got to listen to this line. And man. Yeah, like, like he was like, yeah, he, he clearly just fucking loved music and, and when something had his attention he, he showed excitement for it and like um, well and to be straight it, it up cool when I when met the, him he was not stoked on hip hop at that moment he was like way into other things and yeah, that's you know natural, eight man. months later or something I see him at that show and he is so like inspired by you and Chris I remember just how different his uh demeanor was in, in 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 that regard that like he was way more charged up about making music again yeah. because of his excitement about your guys music and that yeah, whole and tour we, and we did the thing where we'd share music with each other of like the shit we listened to and and such and i remember like um showing him like lupe fiasco or because he was like remember him saying i was like you listen to lupe like this dude's the shit and him and Chris were like, nah, man. And, and I remember Idea goes, he goes, that's clothes rap. So people rap about their clothes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, let me play this and see what you think. And then I played him kind of my, the ones I thought he'd like. And then I remember he was, he was like, holy fuck, this is like some of the illest shit I've ever heard. And he, and he, I remember, I remember him calling me after that tour, um, and he was like, what were those Lupe songs? Yeah, man, I'm just like so hype on rapping right now. I want to do these projects. And I remember he just. Maybe some of that tour helped light a fire. I don't know. Like, as a creator myself, I definitely like latch onto those moments where something actually like interests me, and I definitely understand and empathize with people who get resentful or tired of of their box, whether it's hip hop or whatever their box is. Like, um, like I myself definitely have those times where I, I can't find the inspiration I want in that genre, and so I'm just I just look in other places. For sure, um, yeah, I. Personally, I, I hate doing the same thing, you know, over and over. And that's why I try to have, like, as many different projects open at one time as I can. Because, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it, allow, it affords you um, less boundaries, I guess. I, I don't know. I find inspiration outside of hip-hop sometimes is more uh, palpable and more valuable for me. Like, it comes out more in my work sometimes. But... Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having uh, me, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, where can people check out your music? Go to Google and type in sadistic and uh, tell all your friends how bad it is if you don't like it. E-A-E-A. All right, so here we are on location. Uh, the first Ave Idea Show, five-year celebration. Uh, I've got my man Joey from Slop Musket. What's up? Thanks how are you for doing? talking to me. I'm doing good, man. Doing great. So um, any, anything special planned for the show tonight? Um, well, we do have a, a couple surprises mixed in there. We don't want to spill the beans on that. Okay. You know, definitely got a, we definitely we rehearsed a unique set for this particular performance. Cool. So, uh, yeah, you know, got the butterflies going, but, you know, got the energy going. It's going to be a great. We're excited to get this crowd pumped. You awesome. Know, we definitely want to get the energy going in here. So for uh, anybody who doesn't know, 
your label mate of mine, Crush Kill. <laughs> yes, uh, what tell us about the band? Well, basically, me and Patrick, who's the other MC in the band, we started out as, as just a rap group with a DJ, and my brother and, and Mark is a guitarist from a different band. And um, we combined efforts about two years ago, and you know, it's made it a full band, and it was no turning back since then. And you know, since then, we played South Bys, we've done Warp Tour, we did the Gathering of Juggalos this last year. So yeah. we've, we've gotten some, we've gotten blessed with some pretty good opportunities, and it's, you know, we've taken advantage of every single one we've been given. So it's awesome. It's been a great, great, you know, path. How did uh, how did you cross paths with Idea for the first time? Uh, MySpace days, actually, back in the day, just you know, just as a fan. You know, I keep hearing that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, MySpace days, and he was actually one of the, you know, he'd respond. You know, a lot of people, I would hit it up, you know, you'd hit up your favorite rapper, or, you know, whatever, and they'd, you know, they never respond to anything, but he'd respond to me. Yeah. And I saw you know, talk to him about writing and stuff like that, and um, he's one of the people that said, you know, you should, you know, record some stuff. Because at the time, I was just writing for myself, you know, rapping in the bathroom type stuff, like, no one cares what I have to say, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so you got would, a journal full of rhymes and know where to put them. Exactly. Or even know what to, you know, what, what I would do with them. And yeah. so, you know, he, you know, said, just do it, and slowly but surely, you know, just knowing him, and then, you know, met people like Jason through who was you know associated with him and then he, he came out and just built he's pretty much my whole hip hop family been built because of my you know adoration for him and the you know, relationship with him so I mean I owe that's him awesome everything and you guys ended up doing some shows together oh yeah he actually when he uh, started touring again after he was doing the whole carbon carousel he did a tour with um it was him and I think Sector 7G, Mike Shank, and they, yeah. came, they came through um, uh, El Paso and Austin, so we got to open up for him. And uh, it was back then it was just G- me, Joey Alpha was just before, way before Slop Musket. Okay. And so I, you know, got to, you know, play with him. And you know, at that time, you know, I easily say we all look back at our old stuff, and I was like, oh, dead, nowhere near should have been sharing the stage with someone yeah. of his caliber. But he, he would have never let you know that. Dude, that's the thing though, is that he was able to see potential in people. Like I, I, I was the opposite of that. I was in a group then. I'm a solo artist now Mm -hmm. he watched our sound check opening for them we had never met Mm -hmm. and you know i'm up there rapping dick jokes and just (laughs) dumb shit you know and and he comes up to me at the merch table and starts asking me questions about the group and talking you know and Mm -hmm. he he was wanted to buy the cd i was like dude just take it you know and he walks over to abilities he's like dude i finally got something to listen to in the van that's not gonna suck and like we, we couldn't believe that you know, this guy actually gave a shit. And and looking back, I'm thinking, like, I have footage from our set that night. I'm going, we were not that good. <laughs> exactly. we, but, what, would he see? what did he see? Yeah, but but both of us, you know, we're in a different place in our lives, and we mm-hmm. wouldn't have uh, done half of these things, I'm sure, if it wasn't for that vote of confidence. So. Exactly. You know, that coastline, that means more than a million, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you can have people come up to you uh, after a show and, and great set, or that was awesome, and, mm-hmm. and, and that stuff's great, and we love to hear oh, it, for and, sure. and it'll make your day. But when somebody like that says it to you... <laughs> You never forget it the exactly. rest of your life. You know, and, and everyone else in the world could tell me I sucked. You know, and I Yeah. Would, <laughs> you're like, you know what? That hurts, but exactly. you can't take this away you from me. You take that away yeah. from me ever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the show tonight. Thanks for uh, sitting down with us for a minute. Well, and, thanks uh, for having me, bud. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this whole thing goes out. Just yeah. to be a part of it. Got bud. a lot of great people here tonight. And uh, uh, just before we go, how can people find your music? Oh, slopmusket.com. You just type in slopmusket. I promise you there's nothing else on Google. Called Slop. <laughs> yeah. Be, all our stuff will there's, be listed. There's no other Sammy Warmhands either. <laughs> I think we're both good in that regard. Exactly. So just there. Just type us in. You know, Say what's up. We, we get back to everybody on Facebook and all that social media we're on top of that so we'd love to meet and talk to you guys and expand and connect so awesome thanks for uh, hanging out with us right, thanks a lot buddy peace E A E A. here we are on location 
Minnesota, and uh, we're talking to orphanage member. Yeah, Illogic. orphanage member. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Finally, um, the last two years I was out on the road, so I okay. couldn't make it. Uh, but it was great that Kathy invited us out and you know celebrate Mikey. How far back do you guys go? Uh, we go back to '98. Damn. Yeah. So like, before he even had a record out. Yeah, '98, '99. So yeah. And your first one dropped around that time, right? Yeah, my first one dropped '99. Um, so how did you guys cross paths? Um, Dose One. Uh, my, Dose, okay. Me, Dose One, and um, Yoni Wolf all went to college together, and um, I would just be in his apartment, and he introduced me to Atmosphere and Aesop Rock and just the music. And um, I think Scribble Jam, like I think 98 or 99 Scribble Jam was the first time that we actually met. And me and Idea were the young ones. Me, Idea, and Max okay. were the, the youngest out of everybody. So, you know, we clicked like right away just because we were the kids. You know? Awesome. So neither one of us could drink yet. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have those laws where you guys had to like wait outside until you played and shit? <laughs> Not really. We got to sing backstage, but we couldn't really like hang, hang. You yeah. Know? So, but it was good times. Definitely good times. You know. Tell me about those early days. I mean, you guys, you toured together too, right? Yeah. Um, I actually took me on my first, my first nationwide tours. Um, oh wow! How many? Two. Do you remember how long it was? Um, the first one was I want to say at least two months. Nice. So like you know maybe like forty or fifty shows, um, and it was, I mean it was great because he had he had faith in my skill and you know we and since we were so tight, um, yeah he he had faith in me and took me out and started me on this journey on this path you know so and that that was when you were promoting your first record yeah, then well promote promote my second record okay um, it was two thousand two um, when Got Lyrics came out that he took me on um, the Oliver Hart tour. That was the oh, first tour that I went cool. on. Yeah, me, him, and DJ Prism. I didn't even know um, he did a solo tour. Yeah, yeah, we did. And that one, well, that first tour was only like two weeks. And then I went out on the ENA tour with him. Um, and that was the long one. That was the longest one that I had done um, to date. So, Red. Yeah, that was after Celestial came out. So that was 2004, 2005. Cool. So I'm sure people are going to want uh, me to bring it up. I joked about it, but like... <laughs> um, how much material did you guys record together? Um, well, as the orphanage, we did probably about maybe 14 songs all uh -huh. together. Um, and unfortunately, me and Mikey never got to do any music together, like just me and him together. Yeah. Um, and we always planned on it. We always talked about it, but it never came to fruition. Um, but he did introduce me to Christoph Crane. Um, and like me and Christoph hit it off and have done a few things together. Yeah, he then. was on your last record. You yeah. were on his. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we did, we did about 14 songs just in his basement, you know, like, oh, so that, all that was done at ENA. Yeah. All of that was done at ENA. Cool. Yeah. In the basement, all of us just sitting there. You that's guys, when the, that's you when guys, the, the freestyle happened that, that weekend, the orphanage freestyle. Really? That same weekend. That's when we, so you guys just cranked all that material out in a short period of time then? Yeah. About three or four days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause there was a um, big show here at first Ave with, um, I think MF Doom, Aesop Rock, um, Atmosphere. It was a it was a pretty big show, and um, we were all in town, and just like, hey, let's do some music, guys. You know, like the because the orphanage idea started at Rocksteady, um, 
99 or was it 99 or 2000? One of those years. We were all in New York um, and I was staying at Aesop's house and um, and everybody was in town and we were all at Aesop's house and Slug came up with the orphanage name. Yeah. Um, and because we were all like kind of orphans, you know, like we all had our own different little homes, but, you know, like we had no like um, no place that we really called our own yet. You know, we were just starting Weightless. Uh, Rhymes Hairs was just starting. So everything yeah. was kind of like just starting. And, um, and that's how the orphanage came about. And then we all talked about it. And, you know, maybe I want to say maybe a year later or so is when we actually did the project. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Ace. Yeah, uh, that's actually how I first heard you. Was was I had Labor Days on repeat for oh, okay. like years, yeah. man. Like I love that album. And uh, do, you, do you guys st- still keep in touch? Do you have oh, yeah. anything? Yeah, well, not not any music or anything, but yeah. you know, we're 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 friends, so we still keep in touch. Like I'll hit him up here and there, and you know, say what's up. And when he's in town, I'll come check the show out. Um, but yeah, we we all we all still keep in touch. Pretty pretty good. Right, right. Well, there's, there's going to be a, a lot of people here tonight. Yeah, it's going to gonna be a lot. And I'm excited just to see everybody I haven't seen in a while. Um, yeah, me and Carnage toured last year together. So you Yeah, know, that's we last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah, we haven't seen each other since then. So it's good to see him and, you know, to see Kathy um, and, you know, just to see everybody. And, For sure. You know, just celebrate Mikey's life and share stories. And is, there any, uh, <laughs> is there any, uh, like, memory you could think of that might be something that the average fan wouldn't know this side of him or like I remember the um, on the ENA tour I remember when he was teaching himself how to play piano um, and he had a keyboard that he because him and Max had separate rooms so every night he would load his keyboard in and he was teaching himself to play piano and we were like what are you doing you know like we did we, we weren't there yet <clears throat> you know and he was teaching himself how to play keys and chords and, you know, playing the guitar and all that stuff and just teaching himself. And just, you know, it was cool to, like, watch him grow when all of the rest of us were kind of just wanting to be rappers. Like, he was yeah. already looking beyond that and looking at something different. And, you know, that's something I always admired about Mikey, that he was always thinking about what's next, you know, and really reaching for it. So, you know, that that was an amazing thing to see looking back on it. Like, now I understand it. You know, then I didn't really understand it. But, yeah. Well, what's, what's next for you then? Um, working on a few things. Um, me and um, my homie Intellectual from oh, California. yeah, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're um, working on an album right now. Um, really some out-of-the-box stuff. Um, and other than that, you know, um, me and DJ Bombay, um, a cat out of Columbus, uh, we're working on some things too, so I'm always working. You know, cool. always working on new music. Well, we'll so. look forward to it, man. Thanks for uh, chatting with us for a few. All right, thanks for having me. How can people find your music? Oh, um, IamIllogic.com is my website, and uh, my Bandcamp is Illogic.Bandcamp, or just Google me, Illogic. Sounds good. <laughs> thanks, man. All right. E A E A. Uh, we're here in Brady O'Rourke's car outside of smells brand new First Avenue. And uh, I have Jeremy Ilvesacker. How you doing, man? Did I butcher the name? Nope, that's exactly right. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, so you were the, am I right, the guitarist of uh, Carbon Carousel? Yep. I did that. I played a little bit on By the Throat. That's um, right, yeah. You'd... I was in Face Candy for a while, but that was terrible with a guitar, so. <laughs> okay. So uh, we just, we kept it, you know, kept it, those groups separate. Did, did you play on the first record then? 
No, I never. I just did some shows. Okay. And like, uh, actually, Mikey had when I first met him through JT was starting to write songs under the name Modern Manic, and that stuff never really came out. It sort of became Carbon Carousel. Okay. So, so him trying to do songs was the reason I got there, and then us trying to improvise together was just not as cool as just bass and drums. I was way more nimble, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, and a lot more freedom for the vocal. But for everybody. Yeah. I wrecked it. <laughs> and I know that. That's okay. Well, uh, so you mentioned playing on By the Throat. Now, some of those songs, didn't they kind of start as Carbon Carousel ideas and, and kind of I morph? I don't think so. I think those were all, okay. those were all um, a lot of Max's beats. And then uh, Mikey actually played a lot of the guitar on there, too. I played bass, actually, on some guitar on some songs where he was the guitar player. Okay. Uh, what what bass do you, did you play? Do you remember? Um, What do you mean? Which like, songs? Like, which songs did you... Uh, like um, I remember bass lines and spin cycle and junk that were pretty interesting and I'm on both of those I believe. Yep. Okay, my my band literally uh, covered both of those songs. Oh, when right we did on. tribute sets back in the day. Cool. Um, actually, even before um, before Idea passed, we uh, we had a live band at the time with our group, The Illusionists, and we played a show with them, and they were so cool to us, and we're like, you know, it'd be awesome. Let's do like a kind of punk version of junk. Mm-hmm. So we started playing it, and we put a little like half-ass recording of it on on YouTube. And uh, the next time I saw Mikey, was like, "Dude, uh, that that cover was awesome. You guys should keep doing that." Yeah. And so it became like part of our show, and I th- I thought it was so cool. But awesome. Now here I am sitting with the guy who played it. So mm-hmm. it's funny how these things come full circle. Life is funny, especially with him, man. Like we met, and I continue to meet so many people through that that one show you know that i mm-hmm. that i played with him and introduced me to all this other music and all these great people so yeah same here it's cool to see everyone coming together here yeah. tonight for example right now yeah um, me and you baby what is uh what is your solo act um like uh i got into playing like drone music and feedback and that kind of thing and looping or whatever um a while back and it, i did one of those types of things at hit up the one year celebration of his life like that'd be four years ago now was that here or at cherokee it was at cherokee okay Park. and that was actually based on a tune that i wrote that he covered so i thought i would give that back to him nice in an instrumental version tonight i'm gonna do something like that only maybe even less yeah information just one chord that had three chords okay for like 10 minutes. This will be one chord for 15 minutes. All right. I'll be interested to see what you can do with that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I cannot wait to like force that through the PA here, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Man, I'm trying to think of... Like, literally right now on tape, this is us meeting. So how can people find your music? I'm in a rock and roll group called Alpha Consumer that is actually expanding a little bit beyond being a rock and roll group we've like scored films now and like um we we scored this modern dance piece that's been touring and like actually doing some of this kind of droney music and some like really repetitive counterpointy things and in odd times and stuff which is like not you know not really what we do 
but are you um, doing that for film or for your records that is actually that's for this dance piece we're, oh, hopefully cool. we'll record that and yeah I've got some more songs in the holster too but it, yeah I've got a rock and roll group with uh, some other folks called Grandma's Boyfriend got another one with my daughter called Guitar Party oh yeah and, and Mike was involved in that right he was yep he played guitar at our very first show so how did how did that project come to be because at the time uh, she was very young right singing she was six yeah she was already pretty good at singing, um, but even it was a very strange task we assigned her. <laughs> it's just like I made these kind of sprawling, uh, My Bloody Valentine style, you know, fuzzy guitar loops, and then just put headphones on her, and she would just stare at me and misbehave, and <laughs> and then I edited that a little bit, um, and that was our first record. Invited my friends to play. That sounds pretty exciting, though. Keep it in the family. It's thrilling. Yeah, I played with my dad when I was in like sixth grade. Till, really? Till now. Yeah, I still yeah, work I'm, on his music with him. I don't have a lot of musical uh, blood in my uh, in my house, so yeah. What do they that's, do? That's pretty exciting. Well, my little brother, he uh, he later learned to play the drums, just like over a summer, and then stopped doing it. And I was like, you could totally do this if you wanted to. I mean, he loves going to shows and mm-hmm. coming out and, you know, meeting Carnage and Print and those guys mm-hmm. when they come through my area. He loves it, but, uh, uh, you know, my stepdad, he likes to play guitar. All those guys um, weren't weren't playing when I was I was learning. You know, I had like a cousin yeah. who I kind of looked up to teach me a couple things. But, okay. But, yeah, it, there's a little bit, I guess, in my family, but... Yeah, what um, did they do instead, though? Oh, both both my uh, uh, my stepdad and my brother, um, great athletes. They're great with their hands. Um, you know, can build or fix anything. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm the the one who's inept in that category. Right. So I'll uh, <laughs> always be calling on them to like, hey, uh, I've got this thing I want to do. Can you mm-hmm. help me bring it to life? You know, like when we built the studio in my house. You know, I had. Uh, them helping me every step of the way, you know. There you go. So, you know, village. Yeah, definitely. I I'm aware of my strengths, but especially of my weaknesses. Where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and I just it'd be best if I sit that one out. That is itself a strength. <laughs> I, I think it probably is. Yeah. So, um, before we wrap up, I just uh, uh, wanted to ask um, about Carbon Carousel and how that came to be, because I know that there was a little bit of backlash to that from idea wasn't there because he and he started doing the whole idea is dead wasn't that somewhat inspired from the reactions he got in switching genre to do yeah he you know encountered that the whole time though because he you know everyone knew him as a freestyler then he made records and they're like oh records that's not it yeah and then he made a solo record and they're like oh where's abilities and then yeah, and then he started playing free jazz with his friends. They're like, "What are you doing?" You know, so it, he was just always going somewhere new. You know, and then he started writing riffs on a guitar, and then yeah, we'd work those out together. I'd add some parts, and the other dudes would add some parts. And how long did that exist as a group? Um, it was actually a few years. We made kind of a lot of songs together. He there's two two records. Is that right? Yeah, but there was like a thing in between and then some other stuff he had started. But I think he was thinking of that as another Oliver Hart record. Gotcha. But it had, it's, he was starting to blend them more. He was like making 
on these like broken sounding beats with like you know fuzzy guitars that are yeah kind of being looped and stuff and there was there was a, a like an excerpt of that on on the new yeah exactly many faces of mikey yep i found a couple of things in some hard drives and just mixed them you know yeah and you did a couple remixes thought, too right it did yeah yeah that stuff was great man that was kind of my i mean other than the the the, the dvd one? no or? the the carbon carousel record um with the two covers. Which oh, the one's that the sum of all things. Sum of one? all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that I had, and that was basically my introduction to your uh, music. And I hadn't heard much until this this uh, many faces of Mikey came out. So mm. it was cool to hear um, the, the Oliver Hart remixes and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, imagine uh, kind of where you guys were headed at that time. Yeah, it was just such a privilege to work on that. You know. Be, co- be able to collaborate with him again. Yeah. You know. Cool. Well, um, thanks for uh, sitting down with me for a minute in Brady's car. My pleasure. And, it smells uh, new. I look forward to your uh, set tonight. Yeah, right on. You too, man. Thanks, man. E-A-E-A. Here we are back in Brady O'Rourke's car, and I've got my man Carnage, the executioner. How you doing? He is here. How you doing? Good, man. Good. I'm we, good, too. We're, we're hearing uh, the remnants of... Uh, Book of Bees subwoofers and um, Blueprints uh, trombone <laughs> warm-ups right now. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be a good night. I think it is, too. We're starting off good. Um, I'm, we're in the first lot, uh, first half parking garage, and I don't think I've um, ever seen this many artist cars in this lot, in this uh, garage before. Yeah, it's pretty nuts, man. Yeah, I've ne- yeah and I've, I've been to some big-ass shows here, but nothing like this. This is crazy. Like ain't nobody leaving, <laughs> yeah. You know, without having somebody else to have to move their car first. You know, it's crazy. Well, there's a there's a lot of love in the room tonight, man. Oh yeah. Um, you and Idea, as many people were first introduced to you through the song "Coaches" um, on the Oliver Hart record. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys go back a long time, man. Like, how did you uh, how did you first meet him? Um, I met him. A couple times without even knowing I met him you know what I'm saying like yeah you, you you meet somebody and you don't understand that they are who they're going to become for sure you know so I, I the first time I met him um, I think I saw him break dancing at my college he was on my college uh, on my college campus in one of our uh, gym rooms break dancing and I came in and I was kind of giving him grief about having his young ass on a on a grown man's campus <laughs> yeah and um and he was like, well, I'll battle you. And I was like, oh, nah. <laughs> nah. That would so, have been an epic first confrontation right yeah, there. Yeah, like. it, was, it, was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> so I figured if somebody's just going to come out like that with a smile on their face and be like, I'll battle you, I was probably going to lose. So I was like, <laughs> nah, son, you, you go ahead and have this space. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then uh, a couple, you know, probably about a year later, um, I saw him performing. And I hadn't put all the way put two and two together that it was him yet. Um, he was at he was performing at what they what became the first sound set. Oh yeah, and um, it was at like four or five in the morning. And really? he just got yeah, him and abilities got up and they were just going going crazy. And I was like, who the hell is this? You know. And then shortly after that, I was doing a show um, at First Half, and um, he approached me and was like, yo. 
I know about you. You know, I got this compilation that you were on, man, and you got this dope rhyme style. And he was like reciting my rhymes off of the off of the song that I was on on there. And I was nice. like, wow. You know, so every time we, you know, encountered each other, you know, most of the time it was like fun. It was love, you know. Mutual admiration. Yeah, exactly. And then um, then we got a chance to rhyme together at a show at First Ave um, at the J. Rude Damages show. Um, him and I ran into each other in the crowd and he was saying to his boy, yo, man, this is the one dude I was telling you about that got the ill flow. Yeah. And I was with one of my boys and I was like, yo, this is the dude, the young dude I was telling you about with the ill flow. <laughs> so then we just started rapping. We like blowing each other's heads off in the, in the cypher rapping together. And that was, that was the beginning. That was awesome. The rest yep. is history. The rest is history. Coaches made became. records and tours and yep. coaches became the thing and, and we hung out a lot, you know, and, and even outside of, of, doing music we we had multiple conversations and you know i, I think we were very instrumental in, in each other growing up in different ways you know um but he was just he was he was probably more instrumental in my growth because he was so ahead of his time yeah you know talking to him was like talking to somebody who was my age and older so it was it was it was pretty crazy and you know i don't know if it was just because of how normally um nice he was or if he was just well read or if he just had that that really keen intuition um of how to deal with anybody in the way they needed to be dealt with yeah it was I, like he i had, think there was something like that because everybody i talked to you know he had a way of of bringing out the right. best in people that they right. didn't even see yet you know right and, and 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 having it be one of those type of things where it's like um it's like it's tailor-made for each person you know like i don't like I was I said it in one another interview that somebody did of me, but um I don't know if it was a one size fits all model that was just so, you know, so developed in his own mind that he could use it on everybody, or if he was just that smart that he was able to connect with everybody in the way they needed to be connected with. Isn't that you know? Yeah, does that make sense? What it I'm does. Saying? It does. I, and t I don't know, like from my interaction with him and 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 interviewing other folks, I I really feel like, and all the stories that people have told me, you know, touring. Um, just because of crush kill, you know, people come up to us all the time right. and, and um, share their uh, their interactions with them. And and really, I think he just listens, you know, mm -hmm. like he he genuinely wants to get to know people, right? you know, that he meets. And like, that's that's rare. Normally, it's just like a hey, what's up? Nice show. Big fan. Yeah. See you later. You know, yeah, he'll ask you, like, how are you doing? Yeah. And, and most people be like, you know, all right. And he'd be like, but no, how are you really doing, though? Yeah. Like, is everything really all right? Like, if he asked you how you were doing, he really wanted to know. It wasn't that general, that cookie cutter way of asking people how they're doing. Yeah, it's he not actually, superficial. It's not superficial. He just really seems like he wants to know, you know, and, and that's that's a beautiful thing, man. You don't meet very many people like that. And you know what else is funny? I just noticed I was listening to you talk and I noticed you were saying referring to him in the present tense. Like I do, like you were, you <laughs> yeah. were saying he yeah. just really wants to, yeah. and that's exactly how I talk about him. It's, it's crazy. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody else who speaks of people who have passed away in the present tense. I, and, yeah, I, and I've I, listened to I a few people. It. I just, I well, just, I know because yeah. it's not something you try to do. It's just, I, I don't know. Like I said, I've never met anybody who does that. Yeah. For anybody else. Like I know a lot of people who have a lot of people who have died in their lives and they don't refer to them in present tense. For sure. <laughs> you know yeah. when they talk about them. So like that's another rarity, man. He he I think he does that. I think for me like cuz I us. you know my my uh, entrance to my introduction to him was was through 
you know, the Blaze battle and seeing uh, the records come out and seeing the shows like over and over before I ever got to meet him. And so like, you know, these people are like timeless figures in our life when, uh, you know, when they're part of our, our record collection and, you know, the soundtrack of moments of growing up and stuff like that. And right. so, um, you know, the short time I knew him versus the long time that I, I listened to him. Mm, I don't know. I just feel like he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's forever be a part of my life and, and even stuff like this just bringing us all all back together. So, right. um, I mean, only, I mean, there's not too many people who can bring this many people together this many times. Yeah. I mean, how many times? I mean, I've seen you more times in the past two two years than I've seen you in the whole time I've known you and I've known yeah. you for some time. Yeah, we've known each other for like at least five years and yeah. it's been... And, and, yeah, and it's yeah. been, you know, the last three three years we've been bumping into each other quite a bit yep. and that, I don't think there's you know there, that there should be no surprise to that you know yeah it all started there man I mean so many so many friends made so many uh, uh, lasting relationships you know right. and and shout out to, to Kathy for keeping this mm-hmm. this going man I mean <laughs> it, she's she's done an incredible job with events like this and and you know between this and, and South by and, and the park and I mean uh, it's yeah. it's just great that she's keeping that that spirit of mm-hmm. generosity right alive. It's a beautiful thing. You, there's not many, very many people you can do that with and for. Yeah, you know. Um, but him being able being who he was, it's easily able to find reasons to celebrate a dude like that. You know, for sure. Well, thanks for uh, taking some time and, and and talking with us. And uh, uh, I'll let you get back to the show. You'll, you'll be hosting the whole night, right? Yes, I will. Cool, I'm man. Trying, trying to squeeze some of my own shit in there. Good, good. <laughs> oh, I should ask. I, I I keep forgetting to do this, but how can uh, how can fans find find your music? My website is www.carnagetheexecutioner.com, and from there you can find all my other social media. Gotcha. Visit my web store. <laughs> Peace. Buy out. the ultimatum. Buy it. Buy it all. Peace. E A. E-A. We're back in Brady's car. Back in the lab. <laughs> and I've got my man, Blueprint. Print Nipsons. How you feeling? I feel great, man. I'm kind of hot, but I'm good. I got on my long johns. Yeah? Yeah. It was cold earlier. I, I regretted not wearing them yesterday, but then today I figured it'd be too much for the show. Yeah, yeah. I have to take them off before I wrap. <laughs> All right. So um, you got anything uh, special up the sleeve for uh, tonight's? festivities no 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 man i don't think it I, you know this is one of those shows where you don't want to take a lot of risk yeah yeah i, I kind of looked at it like it's a celebration like it's not really really about us for sure you know so like we're here and we, you know we're on stage individually but it's so not about us that like i kind of feel like if anything i should just be in a pocket and play my role and just do a solid set and just uh you know make sure the people who came to see you know, the show and have a good time, have a good time. Just keep the vibe up and Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, just play my role. You know, I was feeling um a little self conscious because, you know, I got invited to come out and uh, I'm not a freestyle kind of guy and, and and uh so that was intimidating. And I thought, you know what, really though, it isn't about me. So I figured I'll come out, you know, in the spirit that he always did, which was, you know, just have fun. I mean, you hear some yeah. of the... You, you guys did all kinds of freestyle and stuff yes. together. And, and sometimes you're trying to, you know, one-up each other. And sometimes it's just to get out there and, and have fun. Yeah, I agree, man. And, you know, it's... Yeah, it's weird. There's certain shows where, yeah, it is kind of about you and getting your thing across. And sometimes it's like... 
it's cool to have these shows as reminders that it's not always about you, even though the art is yours. It, it belongs to everybody once you kind of put that shit out there. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you guys, I mean, when, when did you and Mike first link up? I think I met him in 99, maybe. 99. It was right when we still had a tapes when I met him. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the greenhouse tapes and their logic tape. Uh, and I met them through dibs. They were starting a tour with Overcast. Back then it was Mikey, uh, Max, and Sean. That was basically how Atmosphere toured. Max was the DJ. Mikey was Slugs, Hype Man. Yeah. And he would perform, you know, routines with Sean and solo song during that time. And so their first time through Columbus, we, uh, no, I'm sorry. They came to Cincinnati and Mr. Dibs booked them. And so Dibs booked them in Cincinnati. And at that time, Greenhouse and Logic, we were real active in Cincinnati and Columbus. So they asked us to open up. So we opened up for them then, met Sean and, uh, and Mikey and Max. And, you know, we were cool. And then a month later, they got booked to play in Columbus. Oh, nice. And then the promoters there asked us to play with them in Columbus. So we played with them in Columbus. Then we became really cool. So then another month later, they had a show in Cleveland. And then Sean hit me up like, hey, man, y'all want to play with us in Cleveland? All right, all right. We're going to be back in Ohio again. Awesome. We said, cool, where's that? Oh, Euclid Tavern. So uh, we drove up there. It was like a Monday night or something. Played with them at the Euclid Tavern. Kicked it, hung out with them. And then, uh, you know, at that point, we all started getting cool because we were already playing a lot of Ohio markets. We were just now starting to get outside and like the Louisville's, uh, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, crossing the border uh, with our music. But this is when we were really, really really at the beginning this 98 99 yeah and uh they were doing it too so it wasn't a lot of people who were touring playing out of state and so we kind of naturally clicked because like you know what rhyme stairs is to minneapolis at that time you know weightless was to columbus cincinnati cool you know um and so, so it's uh, kind of a uh you guys kind of strengthen each other exactly and we all became cool and you know it's a it uh then by then uh you know we started playing. I think we had a show in Chicago with Adam's family and uh, they heard about it. And then they booked us to come from Chicago to Minneapolis to play Brother Ali's Rites of Passage tape release. All right. <laughs> and that was, you know, we stayed at Max's house. And no, nah, it was uh, that was like, but we were all by then we were boys. And then that summer was Scribble Jam. So this whole oh, period so of just one after another, yeah, one after another, after another. And then we played on a Scribble Jam. And so like all this time, you know, so we were that's kind of how that whole thing came about that's cool it's so organic man you guys just doing the same thing in different areas yeah. and start intersecting and more yeah. and more and yeah. then uh when did you guys start touring together um the first time me and mikey actually toured together was 2004 oh okay uh that was the plague on wheels tour when it came out with the ena record that was me them and gray school but like i had toured nice. with, i had done spot dates with mikey in atmosphere because i started touring with atmosphere in 2002 and, uh, you know, Mikey would be on some of those shows doing like uh, just spot dates, but he would be on the whole tour. Yeah. So certain markets, they fly him out to open up uh, other, but we'd be there the whole time. So we were cool then. But me and Mikey were always, we always had like the freestyling thing, battling thing. That was like our thing, you know, because like every crew back then, you had to have somebody who could freestyle or battle. Yeah. So I was at my crew. So like no one would fuck with us if they didn't want to battle me. Yeah. And no one would fuck with Rhymes if they didn't want to battle Mikey. And we kind of met and we were just like, oh, shit, he's just like me, but in another city. That's awesome. You know, and we just would always just try to look for battles and freestyle. And just that was just our, our thing, you know. I think it was in your latest book, uh, um, What a Night. 
that you were telling a story about going to New York City together, and you guys would just roll up on yeah. anybody on the cipher on a corner and and yep. and just cut in and try to yep. smoke everybody. <laughs> yep, yep. That's the shit we would do. We would do that, like because you know in '99 this was all of this happened. I think the summer before he won the Scribble and the Blaze battle. Yeah, because that was all successive. Once he won those, he couldn't sneak into any ciphers anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Everybody knew about him, <laughs> right? Before then, we were just destroying people everywhere because they didn't know who the fuck we were. And you know, you go to to New York City and you're at Rock City and you're battling a bunch of dudes they, who are from New York. They're not gonna think that anybody from Minnesota or anybody from Columbus will just crush them. And we were just crushing them fools in their backyard. And those those scenes weren't really on the map yet in terms of indie rap. So Mm-mm. that's yeah, you're blindsiding these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was unfair. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I really just wanted to ask about those uh, those old days and and uh, it. It's it's cool seeing everybody uh, come from different points in their life uh, who've crossed paths with them and 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 all coming back together tonight for the show. And, uh, I just yeah, it makes me feel good, man, that that he's still bringing us together. So oh yeah, yeah, it's good to see. And this is my first time actually coming to one of these. It's like my schedule. I have scheduling conflicts the first few years of it, you know. And uh, and this one is just like yes. Let me know I'm there. You know? Awesome, man. Well, I'm so glad you're here, and uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. And I know a lot of people who uh, who listen to me already know your music, but um, if, if they're new to you, how can they find Blueprint? Uh, printmatic.net is the easiest, P-R-I-N-T-M-A-T-I-C.net. That's uh, probably the easiest. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Printmatic. On Instagram, I'm uh, Blueprintmatic. And you've got your own podcast, too. Yeah, but we're like on a hiatus right now, man. Super duty, tough work. Because Groove is just unavailable, his work schedule and all this stuff. So, Well, if they want to catch up, are you on iTunes? We're not on iTunes yet. iTunes fronted on us. We're everywhere but iTunes. Okay. I don't know why they didn't accept us. Maybe we were just too raw. Well, let, we'll, we'll talk about that. The most controversial I'll, podcast we'll, in the history We'll tell podcast. you about that. <laughs> uh, so you guys don't get, get blackballed forever because they let me in. If they let me yeah. in, they'll let you in. I don't so. know why they didn't let me in. I don't know. Maybe something was wrong. I, I was going to resubmit, and then I didn't have time, and we didn't record some episodes. And I was like, oh, well, I'll get it later. All right. Well, look out yeah. for Super Duty Tough Work in the future. Yeah, it'll, it'll we got like back. seven, eight, six or seven episodes. They're classics. Funny stuff. Real funny. Cool. All right, well, thanks again, man, and uh, I'm looking forward to the set tonight. Sure, thank you. E-A-E-A. So we're back here with the five-year anniversary uh, birthday celebration for Idea, and uh, sitting here with a uh, man I just met, DJ Willie Luz. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, so you were one of the uh, only collaborators on the Oliver Hart record, is that right? That is correct. How did, uh, how did that project uh, come to be your involvement with that yeah well Mikey wanted to make a solo record he just bought a sampler the Ensonic EPS 1600 and he was making beats and wanted to just kind of see his vision for a song through from start to finish and to kind of separate it from the idea and ability shit he asked me to do the cuts on it, so that's kind of how that happened. Cool, man. When did you guys meet? Uh, 1998. I met him when he was a junior in high school. And you were? I was friends with Max, oh, okay. DJ Abilities, so 
met him through that and first time I ever met him was uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin and we're talking about you should shave your face going with the grain or against the grain like childish shit you know we're all young kids and kind of just clicked from there yeah awesome did you guys ever um, tour together on that or anything like that yeah, we toured that record with uh, Prince Paul and AC alone. Nice. And it was a fun time. How was that? Where, how far did you go? Uh, let's see. We started in Baltimore and then went all the way to Reno, Nevada. Nice. That's where we finished. That was where we finished the tour. What do you remember from those drives? A, a young idea. No, oh, he spent his whole time picking Prince Paul's brain. Really? Yep. That is what he did on that tour. And driving me nuts at every sound check. <laughs> How so? Perfectionist? Perfectionist is an understatement. That's where Carnage he, must get it from. Yeah, he would tell the sound man, oh, you need to take the frequency frequency." of 335 down two notches and then put the 235 all this stuff where I'm just like Mike (laughs) I'm hungry like you don't need me to stand here behind you while you're yelling at the sound man about frequencies just uh, (laughs) let me go eat and he never let me would cool man well uh, thanks for sitting down with us after the show I know everybody's worn out but uh, uh, I appreciate your time where can people find your music today I DJ for a group called the Unknown Prophets, so unknownprophets.com. All right, all right. Well, uh, I appreciate you talking with me. Thank you, man. Thank you. E-A-E-A. All right. I had to uh, uh, loan my laptop so they could record the show tonight, but uh, so our, our mics are put away. If you notice a change in sound quality, folks, but uh, this is the Take 92 podcast, Crush Kill episode. And uh, I'm sitting here with my man Merz. Hey, how you doing? All right, brother. I'm uh, I'm really excited about everybody being here tonight. And uh, uh, you had a tribute to Mike on your new album. Yeah. Uh, tell us about how that came to be. Uh, my producer, uh, his name is Belief. He did um, he produced for Cannibal Ox here as well as. Most recently, he co-produced Chandelier for Sia and Kelly Clarkson, and he's oh, wow. doing a lot of pop stuff, but we grew up together. You know, when I did this new record, Have a Nice Life, my goal was to um, try to do something more mainstream, but with someone else familiar that's in the mainstream, but that grew up with me, that gets real hip-hop, and, is, you know, he's done shit with Cannibal Ox and Sea Ray's Walls and Merce, so he and Punchlines and Wordsworth, so he gets real hip-hop, but he also gets pop music, a way to yeah. make something popular but of, of, some, of substance, and we'll know, he's known me since we were 14 years old, we'll know when I'm stepping out of my, when I'm trying too hard or when I'm not trying hard enough, like he knows me. So he's actually producing for you, he's not just giving you beats, like yeah, no, you guys we sit are making together. together. Yeah, we've been making music together since we were kids, and awesome. literally making music together. Uh, so to get a chance to work with him and for him it was a good chance to catch up with an old friend and do ground him because he's been doing sessions with Adele and whoever else nice so um, 
you know, that that's how it started. And he, you know, I told him I trust him. And even with Ninth Wonder, I've always been someone that trusts real producers. If you hear me on this beat because you hear me on this beat, cool. If you hear a subject matter and you hear me on this beat, even better. You yeah. know what I mean? If you have a, a rhyme pattern, even better. Like, I love direction. I love people who produce. And so he gave me this beat. And he's like, you got to do it to this beat. And I was like, this is so difficult. Like, I don't do, I think it's like a three, four rhyme scheme. It's like, it's like a da 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 I don't do that shit. I like to, I'm a simple guy. I like You're a storyteller. Yeah. yeah. I don't like all this fancy shit. And um, he's like, you, you on this beat is going to work. You have to do it. And it was so hard. And I hated the beat. And I was on tour one morning. And then, um, as and I've said this in a few interviews but as much as I've been through as far as being from the inner city and losing friends early and losing my father and losing my stepfather um, dealt with de- death a lot more than most people I know yeah. and uh, Mikey is still one of the ones if not the one that hits me the hardest in at random times and uh, definitely when I'm on tour because that's where we became the most closest where anybody in this business becomes the most close yeah it's instant kinship because you spend 24 yeah, 7 together. you gotta gotta you kind of gotta go for it so uh yeah. that uh that uh so then i was up having one of probably the worst run of of my career the worst tour i've ever been on so i wanted to kind of do something positive and create some music but then the only beat I had left to write to was this fucking beat I hate and I was like you know what yeah. I hate more than anything I hate that that Mikey's not here yeah and I miss him wake up some mornings and I'm like I miss Mikey cause like it's just I feel it in my whole being like fuck it's just like a, it's like a huge fuck and that's how I felt having to write this song I felt like fuck I gotta do this like I gotta come up with something and I was like I'm gonna take that Channel feeling it. and yeah. that and so we got to the end of our recording session and the producer was like yeah like so did you ever do that one I was like yeah I wrote some shit but it's just really just some heartfelt shit man it's really not a fucking song it's just a yeah. it's just feelings it's not good and he was like do it and I was like alright and I did it and he was like that's a good song and I was like alright and then in the midst of doing that I got a call and my other friend that just passed away so it was like a oh, man. perfect um, yeah. perfect horrible time so I was like okay it's meant to be let's put it out you know I, I was just talking to a friend about that because uh, I've been a musician for my whole life and, and sometimes when you write something that is that personal almost doubt yourself like oh, I don't know this is anything any would want to hear but then you show it to somebody and almost every time like the time you go that far within yourself that gonna gain so much more out of it you know encourage you to do more of that stuff so yeah uh, um, I'm glad that uh, he reaffirmed that because uh, you know it turned out to be a single and everybody loved it and yeah 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 I think it's uh, you know definitely was a oh man it was yeah it was, it was I think I'm, I'm gonna say it was a good thing I'm not gonna say it was a I know, I, you know, I feel kind of awkward because I don't like the Facebook posting. I don't like the fucking hashtagging, my friend. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like to do it. Yeah. I appreciate that other people do it. I don't like to do it. Just, it's, there's like an impersonal vibe to it, man. And um, so I was kind of hesitant to put it out. But then also, like, get a lot of shit from people. Um, you know, like me signing the strange music and blah blah. Like, yeah. like oh, I'm not friends with people, and I'm like, this isn't fucking. This isn't sports, man. Like, this isn't, like... I can be down with Rhyme Sayers and Strange Music and Living Legends because we're all yeah. artists. We're humans. Like, you have friends that are in different families and you have families that have taken you in like you're part of their family. You're still part of your family, but it doesn't mean you love the Johnsons down the street any less. Yeah. You know, so it's just like... So it's kind of my affirmation. Like, yeah, I'm on Strange Music, but, like... 
I, I, you know, I still, I'm still me. Yeah. You know, and so that that when they when they said they wanted to release it, I was kind of hesitant because I don't like putting that type of stuff out there. Like I'm profiting off of missing my friend or trying to capitalize off of that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's a good thing to show unity and. I want him never to be forgotten. And, you know, and yeah, and the fans appreciate that because, uh, like, every time that somebody else makes a statement like that, you know, we're getting one little extra piece of him that we didn't have, you know. Um, and that's that's why I'm talking to people about him, you know. It's like we, we're not going to get uh, the chance to talk to him after a show again or, or, or something like that. And so his, his stories are what's going to make him live on you know yeah um, but uh so I, I i should ask so obviously you guys are both on rhyme series and stuff but um how did you actually first cross paths zeroing in on it being older you know i would say this is a hard thing to do but i think that if i can tell kids anything is do enough cool shit that you forget about all the cool shit you've done yeah stops you from being an arrogant asshole and bragging about it when you're laying at your house and you forget shit and shit comes back to you, it's fun and sometimes you don't remember. I don't honestly remember, but I think it was here. It was 1998 and we were opening for hieroglyphics and we go from city to city and in my town, I'm from the West Coast, but we were living in the Bay Area and if you came to the Bay Area, you would see the Living Legends out front, various members of us selling cassette tapes. Yeah. And, um, so when I would go to these cities and I see people doing what we do, I'd be like, oh, okay, we got some homeboys. Like, yeah. I would trade them tapes and, uh, you know, give them a shout out on stage. Like, okay, such and such is in the house. And usually it'd be like, ah. you know, but like in our city, if you said Living Legends or Mystic Journeyman or Grouch or Merce on stage, most times you get a, yeah, like, you know. Yeah, people know that. People know, you yeah. know, because we're, and so I came here and I got Slug gave me Overcast and I looked at it. And so I got on stage and was like, oh, shout out to Atmosphere Overcast. And I was like, oh shit, these are my people. So then me and Slug start talking that night some more. And um, apparently that night, I think it was that night, Mikey came up to me and was like, hey, Merce, hey, Merce, hey, Merce. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I was 15. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so the next time I met him, he was like, yo, and the first time I met you, you were a real dick to me. I was like, what? It was like maybe months later, a year later at Max. And yeah. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I told you I was 15. He's like, well, honestly, I said some random shit to you. But what I meant to say, I was so excited, but what I meant to say was, I know what it feels like to be the youngest person in your crew, because I was the youngest person in Living Legends. Oh, yeah. And I had been recording, and like the song everybody got to know from me first was a song called Sunspray with me, Eli, and Scarab called, from a called 3MG. We weren't even 3MG then. We were Sons of Meshach. And... Um, I was 15 years old and people love that song so yeah. you know Mikey knew what it felt like to he was trying to connect with me on that level but he, he didn't say the right thing he didn't say it you didn't get it and I was yeah. in the cold and I'm in Minneapolis for the first time and I drunk probably I don't know so I was like he was like ah you're a dick and I was like well fuck <laughs> you said, you know said some unintelligible meaningless shit to me I don't know how am I supposed to connect yeah. hey I was 15 of course you were a motherfucker like what does that mean that's funny that was my first time meeting Mikey and you guys uh do you guys do tours together and stuff? Like, yeah, we did the Creative Differences tour together. That's E and A and Legends. Or yeah, what? E and A Legends. Nice. Um, when, when was that? Two thousand had to be two thousand two, two thousand one. Yeah. Creative Differences tour. They're opening for us. Um, Mikey wasn't. I don't think Mikey was drinking or doing anything at that point. I think 
Max had just started to drink Heineken, like have a Heineken at Soundcheck type shit. They were like really green. Yeah. And we were really, really party animals. So I think okay. we kind of welcomed them into the, 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 the road life. Yeah. In that way, because Rhyme Series tours a very different way than most rappers or musicians travel, you know. They're relatively calm. Pretty, pretty tame. Yeah, no one's getting ahead in the front room while yeah. everybody's passing around a blunt, shoots dice. Yeah. And that was Living Legends. Um, so that's cool. You guys get to kind of show them the ropes a little bit. You guys have been out a little bit more. Yeah, we were um, definitely in, uh, you know, tour bus. I think it was their first tour bus tour. And, uh, you know, during the time we were both promoting our albums, the ENA album had come out in, uh, I think it was 316, had just come out. Nice. No, end of the beginning had just come out. I, think. I don't remember which one it was. And, uh, like you said, too many cool things. Yeah. <laughs> but we were, like, they were the only people that would get up and do college radio with me. Because I was on Def Judge, they were on Rhyme Stairs. Yeah. So, like, Mikey and me were every day, like, you know, you know. I tell all the same stories all the time, but it was like, he was like, uh, yeah. When we go to a restaurant, he'd always be like, oh, hi, I'm Michael. I'm really famous. You're really glad to meet me right now. <laughs> Killed me every time. Killed the waitress. Like, he's just a funny dude. I'm Which like, is great, because he's like... All humility. Yeah, but. exactly. So to hear him say, I'm like, "What are you <laughs> <Yeah>. saying?" <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, uh, obviously, I assume everybody listening is gonna um, know you and know how to find your music. But uh, uh, your new album, yeah, is out now, right? Yeah, have a nice life is out now. Have a nice life on strange music. So yes. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. No that, worries, man. man. It's Thanks a pleasure for, to meet you. No worries. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah. E A E A we're here again in Brady's car, and uh, I'm sitting with uh, uh, a man I've collaborated with, but we've never met before. Never met before, yeah. Right now. Well, it's good to meet you, man. Book of B. <laughs> How you doing? Good. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. How you feeling the love from the crowd tonight? Man, I'm, I am just not surprised that it's a sold-out crowd tonight at First Avenue, you know, given, yeah. given the love for idea, not just locally, but nationally worldwide yeah there's people here from everywhere absolutely i got a homie in town from hawaii and i'm sure there are many people in town from even further than that yeah for sure uh now you are the the artist not only on the the new many faces of mikey yeah but also the artist and when i say that i mean uh the cover art for uh the many faces of oliver hart yeah um, how did that come to be? Uh, yeah, absolutely original Oliver Hart shit. Um, I was invited out of town to Screw Jam with uh, both Mikey and Max back in the day. A couple times we drove out to Screw Jam. Yeah. And it was actually uh, just coming back from, God, I want to say, well, it was definitely in the 90s, but... Uh, driving back in the van, Mikey was looking through my sketchbook and, and seeing all these faces, and he had the own concept in his head about the many faces of Oliver Hart. Cool. You know? And well, as we've heard now, some of those songs originated really early on, so yes. he must have been toying with that for a while. Yeah. Having seen the artwork, I think it just resonated in, in you know, kind of making sense uh, in connection with 
exact concept of the many faces because for many years I've done faces and faces and faces in my own artwork. Yeah. When I was younger, I did circles and circles and circles. And that developed into faces and faces and faces. Made sense to Mikey back in the day to do the cover. Uh, so he basically approached me in the van. He saw the artwork in the van and was like, this shit is dope. Let's do, you know, collaborate. We can break you off with some dough or we can do a collaboration if you want to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, my, my first motivation is just to collaborate with people. So, yeah. So that's kind of where the, uh, collaboration for quality programming on my record based mentality came Mm -hmm. from. And, Um, and, uh, uh, you've got the, the remix version of it too on the new record. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's good stuff. That that was actually uh, what reminded me of your stuff and and oh, uh, made me want to reach out because I heard that remix and thought, oh shit, yeah. Like um, mm-hmm. I was like, if if, if he's still uh, you know working with Kathy and Brady, I was like, I I should reach out to him, you know. Very and, cool. Uh, so um, yeah, Very if anybody cool. is. Uh, I mean, you're listening to me, my show, so you probably heard my Vacant Eyes record. So one of the remixes on the new one is uh, uh, the one for, um, what do we call it, Dan Samo. Um, that one was produced um, by Book of B. Now, um, that was one of the ones that surprised me when I got back, because, like, you know, yeah, it's, it's very West Coast, like, yeah, yeah. Um, was that your first inclination when you heard the track? Because it's kind of a mellow track, the original version, beat-wise. Yeah, it's funky. That's what gravitated me, you know, or, or kind of sent me in the direction of that tune was the funkiness. Yeah. You know, so as I'm kind of reapproaching the tune, um, I'm trying to figure out like what to do with this tune, and I, and I love the funkiness, but I also love the old school shit. Yeah, you know. So I I, I decided to go with maybe like a little bit more of like a drum driven shit with the keys and the bass. It's very like minimalist too. A lot of space. And that's some of some of just the shit that I love. Yeah, it has that amount of space to it. So, um, yeah, it was fun to work on. Yeah, well, thanks for doing it, man. It was yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find your, your music online? I have just recently started building uh, the website for myself. So that's bookaby.net. Okay. B-O-O-K-A-B dot net. And it has a collection of my shit. I do paintings. I do some prints, screen prints. And I also do some music. Yeah. You know, so to have... A, all of those elements in one place for people to check out. Cool, and and you've contributed a lot of art to uh, to Crush Kill and 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 uh, yeah, you know, that's that's awesome. It's been <clears throat> just uh, honor really to work on the idea shit. Yeah, I appreciate Crush Kill for giving me that opportunity to do the many faces, Mikey. Yeah, well, thanks you for know? for keeping his name alive, man. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm not every, responsible for that. But. Every single person in this room tonight is yeah. contributing to that. Dope, so, dope, dope, so dope, dope. That's, well, that's I'm, what I'm, I mean I'm by happy that. happy to contribute you know, to that. So, Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Cool, man. Well, thanks for sitting down with us, and uh, yeah, let's go check out the rest of the show. Yeah. E-A-E-A.
I just ran into uh, uh, my man Dem Atlas. How you doing, man? I'm doing so good. Um, tonight's been really magical, watching everybody perform and, and show love to to Mikey um, and Idea. You know, so, so I'm doing good. Good man. Really good. good. It's it's nice to see uh, uh, so many Rhyme Sayers faces in the house tonight. And uh, I wanted to ask you because um, you know you you grew up here, right? Yeah. And uh, you were one of the later additions to Rhyme Sayers. Yeah. So um, did you get to know Michael when he was alive, or was no. he an influence of yours? Or? He influenced me um, post life. You know. Yeah. Uh, I heard about him a lot when I was in high school still, um, and his music was like I was like this is a really cool cat, but I didn't really understand it at the time. And it wasn't until uh, after high school, when I was going through like sort of a identity crisis: who am I? What a what's this? What am, what what am I doing? Yeah. Is that's when I really uh, I really took hold of his music, especially Firstborn. You know. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like? Uh, uh, do you remember a song that kind of hooked you in, or like a performance that you saw that, like, oh, I I fucking get this now. It was. Um, Liquid Sovereignty off okay. of Firstborn. Yeah. Um, music, music off of Firstborn. Um, walking. Yeah. <laughs> so many, so many songs. It's like I, 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 through his music, it was so powerful because I felt like I knew him, you know, personally. Yeah. You know, but I never met him before. And but his music is so intimate and deep that you feel like you're you're having a conversation with a, a long lost friend, and that's what that's what. Um, his music and his legacy and you know Michael means to me you know yeah and I, I don't mean, know so I've genuine. never met him I yeah. never met him I wish I had because I yeah. feel like we would have talked and talked till you know <laughs> the day breaks but you know I'm just I'm just here you know yeah he's he's a really special person really special person and, it, and it's like you it almost feels like he's alive still. It almost feels like he's here in this in this room. You know? I mean, he's still bringing all of us together. It's deep. It's deep, man. It goes deep. I was talking to Carnage earlier, and he said that uh, uh, the people talk about him in the present tense. You know, like, oh, well, he is this, and he does that, and he means this to us, and and uh, he said that you know that's that's the kind of uh, uh, legacy he's left behind is that people still feel so connected i mean you can hear the crowd tonight after five years you know the it's it's still strong what, what do you see like uh as a rhyme series artist traveling the country do people talk to you about idea yeah uh, all yeah? the time all the time i i love that like all the uh, time i'll be on stage and I, I do this I do this bit in my set where I'm like, have you all heard of Rhyme Series? Especially out in Europe, I it, opening for Atmosphere, I, I make a point to do that and shout out, you know, Aesop Rock, Prof, um, Dilated Peoples, Brother Ali, Greaves, and then cats will scream out in Europe, overseas, yeah. they'll scream out, idea! Awesome. Idea. And I'm like, and then I cap it off with idea and abilities. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all the time. Good man, that's great. I love that. Uh, uh, while people... I'm holding that stage, that um, while I'm holding that stage in that space, you know, and I have that opportunity for people to scream out these names. Yeah. Always idea, you know. 
that's that's really powerful to me. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, he's endured and will continue to endure, and I'm I'm glad that uh, you have that respect of, of carrying it on too, being part of the you know the Ramsayers collective, or you know that's yeah, that's I, awesome for the you know for the fans because they. Uh, I don't take it lightly. I hope I hope this whole opportunity this is a major major blessing in this reason and i'm just trying to do what i can do cool man well uh thanks for taking a minute to uh, yeah. uh share your your story <laughs> and uh, uh how can people find your music if, if they're listening and, and they haven't heard dem atlas before i don't know you can find it on soundcloud uh itunes Bandcamp. okay cool mm-hmm. thanks man appreciate it Here we are again at the five-year celebration, uh, Take 92 podcast, Sammy Warmhands, and uh, I'm hanging out with uh, Kevin Beecham from Fifth Element. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. So uh, uh, tell the people uh, your origin with, with the Rhyme Sayers crew. How did, how did you come into uh, the fold? Well, back in the, in the mid-90s, I did a radio show out in Chicago called Time Travel. And Time Travel, uh, when I got my hands on some Rhyme Sayers music, started playing on the show. They got a great response, and so from that started getting them um, opportunities to come to Chicago and play shows. And so then from there we started bringing. They would bring groups from Chicago to Minneapolis to, to play shows, and I'd bring those groups out here. So we're just swapping shows. Awesome. And that's just how I pretty much met everyone from every everyone for the Rhyme Sayers, uh, swapping shows. And one thing that always struck me about Rhyme Sayers is how you know they would sometimes drive to Chicago just to freestyle. They really? Would, they would come to my radio show, rap on the air, and drive right back home. Wow. Just come to rap. And that's, you know, that's how I met a lot of the crew from there, from Scribble Jam, which is, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know how I, I met Mikey, I think, once before that, but really seeing him at Scribble Jam is how me and Mikey really first connected. Were you freestyling there, too, or were you doing your radio show? Or? I was um, I was the organizer. Oh, okay. I was organizer in the head in the head battle. You know, I was a head organizer for the event and the head judge for the event, too. Well, I didn't even know, so, so I, you're so schooling I, me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was like putting all that stuff together for the battles and uh, picking the judges, picking the MCs, all that. That was awesome. All, yeah, that was all me. And so, uh, yeah, and so obviously Mikey was in the battle, won the battle, and you know, yeah. had, so you know, just from that, it's how a lot of times how I connected with Mikey early on. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Uh, uh, so later on, you ended up running the the Fifth Element store, right? Yeah. I actually um, actually moved here to work for Rhyme Stairs, which I still work at Rhyme Stairs, but also run the store. But you know, I'm one of the label people, label managers for Rhyme Sayers, and yeah, I moved here in 2002, which is around the same time that Mikey was putting out All of a Heart. Yeah. And so, I don't even know exactly how it connected, but in one of those, oh, you know what it was? Before I moved here, I came here to visit, I came here to go to a Sage Francis show, uh-huh. and um, I didn't, I don't think I knew this before I came, but I came for that show, and I spent some time, I stayed um, at Mikey's house. And when that was the same time they were recording a project called The Art Orphanage. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you were there for yeah, that? Yeah, I was there. I was like, don't, I, I, I took, I had the only photos from that day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. Yeah, so like, I mean, like, so like, I was like, they, they, were, they, were, they were writing, recording, all that, and I was hanging out there. And so from that, me and Mikey just really connected. Yeah. And so when I moved here that, I think, following year, two years later, when I first moved here, he was like the... I didn't really hang out with anyone except for Mikey. Yeah. So And that was when he was releasing All of a Heart. 
And so, you know, he was doing like little shows and different college shows in Madison. And so we would, um, I would go with him on the road. I, I was like, he's like, because I'm not sure what Billy's was that. He was doing like his own project at a time. So for Oliver Hart, I would DJ for Mikey Sets. Oh, cool. Uh, so we would do so like. So was that the one that Illogic was on? Because I was talking to him about. I, th- I thought he said he did a, one of the solo tours. Earlier. Oh, that was that was a difference. This was this was just like small spot dates. Okay, okay. We would go we would go do a college and come back the next day. We go to Madison. This was not a tour. All we right, we, all we right, did all like right. around here. We do like you know go to Hamlin University. We would do all these little small dates. Yeah. And it was really and really, he didn't need me to DJ. We did it so we could hang out. Yeah. That was the main yeah. thing. We would go out there. We hang out. We have fun. We freestyle after the show. We go to people's houses and party with them. And we just had a great time. And that was like man, like my first couple of years living here and me and Mikey just kicked it like that all the time awesome man awesome it's great to see like so many people from all different parts of the country and 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 who met him at all different times in his life all coming together tonight and and celebrating so yeah thanks for sharing your story man and and, uh, I look forward to uh, sharing the stage with you in a few minutes cool man sounds great man thanks for having me thank you E-A-E-A and here we are uh, the, the day after I'm sitting here with Crush Kill label manager, Brady O'Rourke. We didn't get a lot of sleep last night. No. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. We're getting in at uh, 5 a.m., but, you know, it was an awesome night, so can't really complain. Yes. More shit happened yesterday than than, than there's time for in a single day. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. I'm kind of speechless after that show to be honest i think that's one of the i mean i've seen a lot of shows and that's that's one of the craziest nights of my life i guarantee yeah i mean you just get that many people that many performers uh, like of that level you know doing short sets and then you have 1500 people in the crowd it's pretty hard for it to go (laughs) And wrong the, yeah yeah and, and the energy was so high and so positive like you know i wasn't sure if it was going to be um you know uh, a kind of um celebration or a morning or a little bit of both you know but like for the most part and every, everybody was just pure joy you know yeah, and it was crazy because it was actually my more so than kind of like what the mood is going to be like. I was more concerned about it being on a Monday <laughs> um, and just not having not people being not as into it because they had to be to work the next day or whatever. And that really wasn't the case at all. Yeah, I think every single performer got love. And I mean, I didn't really start to see people heading out, you know, until like well into the freestyle you know after midnight or yeah something. so people were definitely you know they were all there for uh for the same reason i know that you were uh selling merch all night um but was there a a highlight moment for you from the show um no it was a, i guess the highlight was that there wasn't a highlight it was, it was so like uniform and across the board kind of like you said it was just like everybody was on the same page and um i mean it's always cool when people tell you like oh i came from albuquerque or oh i flew in from la or 
you know, that's always cool. But in general, people were just like, you know, super supportive of everything and just excited to be there. And to me, that was kind of like the highlight of it was just having, um, everybody as, you know, everybody that excited just to be there, even though they didn't really know like who all was going to be playing or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was cool because there's, you know, you have Jeremy Soccer and Michelle Kearney and, and all these rap acts all together and DJs and breakdancers and everybody got love. And I think that Carnage as a host did a good job of like tying it all together. Yeah. Yeah. He like would relate it. Yeah. The significance of the next act, you know, through Michael's life and, and, you know, how they influenced each other you know, as he's introducing them. And uh, so instead of just having a bunch of acts go up. Yeah. You know, I think he really... It's uh, more of a story to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, like a narrative, you, you yeah. You got to see other other sides for of, uh, you know, of idea just through, you know, the people he had known and collaborated with. So that was cool. I also thought you did a really good job, though, of, of not just telling or saying like kind of like how they were related to idea, but like who they were like in their own right, because everybody who played last night, you know, it, they're not just there because they knew idea or whatever, you know, they're all like excellent artists in their or dancers or whatever it is in their own right. So I think he did a really good job of like emphasizing that, you know, like, Oh, like I know this guy and he's like, you know, a poet and an author, you know, and like all that, um, I thought that was a really cool thing that he was able to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he 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 sold you on him before you know before you even saw who was coming up next. You were already stoked on it because of that. Probably my favorite moment was when he did Star Destroyer, um, just because I've seen him do that song a million times in a million rooms, you know, big and small, and. Uh, just to see like the whole crowd spitting the lyrics back and and uh that that was just awesome and he did that beatbox at the end i got like a you know 10 second clip of um him doing the like yeah fucking loud like every person in the room that was yeah that was awesome man you've been around for uh several of these uh events now um what was because um, I, I i wasn't there like the year one you guys did a the, yeah you show in cherokee park well i mean right? right after he died we did a show at first avenue oh okay so it was he passed away on the 16th of october and then on november 9th um there was a show at first avenue oh is that is that the one that the cypher that's on the dvd Yep. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I and so that. that was like, you know, like you know, three weeks after he passed away. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was actually like kind of the first thing, and that was um, kind of something where there was no lineup announced at all, and so people really didn't know what they were getting into. Um, but so it was, it was most similar to that event in that it was at First Ave, and it was on his birthday and everything. But really, like, the two big events that we've done um, were the one year, which was the bench dedication ceremony in Cherokee Park. Um, that was in 2011. And then this is the other 
like the biggest of the events we've done it was the uh the five year um it's it's awesome that um that you guys and and, and kathy in particular is, is putting these things together man i i remember coming out here for the first time when you you booked the illusionist and um you know i i wrote to kathy and you know we had spoken a little bit before but i i just told her about the show and she came out um so that we could meet and talk and and you know just right off the bat like i could see where you know michael's like compassion and intuition came from and and you know just to see her putting all of her effort and love into every single person who wants to come by the bench park you know or wants to um you know do fan art or you know whatever it is like and then coming through and putting these enormous events together such an undertaking but i i've told her a, a number of times like i don't think anybody else in your position would be able to do what you do man it's it's yeah. incredible I mean, like a lot of, or not a lot of people, but <clears throat> an unfortunately visible uh, percentage of people online are like, oh, you're, like, you're just doing this for money, like failing to realize that this is an event that like hemorrhaged money yeah. <laughs> and it would be like much easier for her at, at any of points to not do any of these events and just say like, no, I'm not going to, you know do these things or bring people into town or, you know, observe, you know, the five year or the, you know, put a bench in Cherokee park. But instead she chooses to do it and kind of everybody benefits from it, you know, instead of just being like, Oh, you know, it's been five years since he passed. Like there's this five year celebration where, you know, we flew in a bunch of his friends and everything and, um, everybody got together on a Monday night, you know, there was 1500 people in the main room, um, you know, pretty much just to see all of his friends, you know, and hang out. So, and this is a person who was, you know, actively involved behind the scenes back in the day with E and A and those, those tours with atmosphere and all that stuff, you know, watching that develop. And so, I think it's awesome that she just took that experience and went, you know what? No one else is going to do this. I'm going to be the promoter. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm going to keep uh, you know, the label alive and uh it's just it's an awesome thing, man. And and if if she hadn't been so involved all of those years, you know, I'm sure it would be a different outcome. Yeah. But uh she's been that invested the whole time. Yeah driving out to scribble jam and everything like that yeah throughout I was, the years yeah and, i was surprised to hear that you know like when we were at south by and just um well even the fact that she's still at south and still going down to south by yeah, yeah. well and, and and did that uh event this year too the first crush kill showcase um, yeah. all that stuff is huge um but yeah just hearing her her stories and experiences of, of really how deep she was in the whole thing makes a lot of sense when you when you see behind the scenes all of the work that goes into this stuff you know how how she's able to have that that drive and that know-how it's because she was there all along yeah you've been involved in crush kill 
pretty much since the beginning of it, right? Well, I mean, uh, it was started back in like 06 ish. And that was, um, for the year, like the original you know, carbon carousel and absorber CDs and the split EP that they did. Yeah. Um, and I was on like the street team for a while, like handing out flyers and stuff and, um, doing consignment and stuff for various like record stores around the twin cities for those CDs. Um, and then I, you know, finished up college and everything and, in 2010, that's when I kind of got involved again um, with Christoph Crane and Face Candy and all that. Um, so yeah, I've been definitely the last like five and a half years. Um, I've been uh, directly and consistently involved with it. What was um, what was kind of the the mission statement when he when he started this thing? Because it at the time is when he was starting to branch out and, and try different styles of music that weren't necessarily rhyme series projects. Right. Yeah. And I think the kind of like the goal or mission of it unofficially was just like, there's this stuff that we want to do and there's not really a place for it. So let's make a place for it. Um, essentially was, you know, kind of like the almost like out of necessity, like, Oh, like this isn't really fit into the, people that we've worked with before so we're kind of gonna go over here and do our own thing yeah that, i mean that's just that's a diy you know it's a natural progression yeah 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 definitely um what were some of those those earlier projects because you know when i came into the fold it was kind of the second um roster more or less you know it's a yeah. little bit different now than what it was uh in the early days um, so you had Carbon Carousel, Absorber. It's really just Carbon Car- Carousel and Absorber. Okay. Um, um, there was just really those, they both had a full length and then they had the split single. They both had done like previous versions of the full length that were like hand numbered or uh, Louis Lapierre did like a hand painted one for the Carbon Carousel thing. Nice. So a lot of it was... Um, kind of uh build around this uh exclusivity or kind of like this handmade or hand-painted um versions of records um that would come out kind of before like the normal cd or cd jewel case you know kind of thing um but yeah really it was just those those two bands and he, he pretty much produced that stuff um all himself right produced like like those records that were coming out on crush kill were stuff that he pretty much recorded at his place yeah i, th- I think the first absorber record was recorded there i'm not 100 percent. i know he like mastered like the first ep and stuff but well and then you get um so when when christoph started putting out his solo work that was a natural progression if, if people don't know uh absorber was uh, uh his first first group i believe it was um, yeah it was his first, it was his first like time making music basically oh wow yeah so um so then he's making um those records for for chris and he was kind of involved in that recording process as well right well i think he was involved yeah a lot in terms of uh 
uh, I don't know if necessarily recording it, but um, like definitely giving him like feedback and uh, that kind of thing, um, and telling him like kind of who to hit up for press and that you know kind of more guiding, I guess more like executive producing or you know yeah, um, or working with him as just like a friend who wanted him to succeed and believed in the same things and you know his music and everything yeah i I remember meeting um christoph and sadistic uh directly through him um he had me and webb come out to a show when they were uh, coming through portland and it was right when hunting for father came out and um he was really really excited about that record and um i remember taking it home and looking at it and he had mastered it and I was like, oh, this makes sense because it's fucking loud. Yeah. <laughs> as loud as by the throat. You yeah. Know? Um, no Sing was part of the fold for a minute, weren't they? Yep. Because uh, Graham, Graham played in Absorber. Yep. And then that evolved to No Bird Sing, right? I don't know if like evolved is the right word, but yeah, he, um, yes, then afterward, or I guess, yeah, afterwards started playing with uh, um, Joe and Bobby and As No Bird Sing. Yeah, and of course they eventually went on to uh, Strange Famous, but the, the history of of, of the stuff is is definitely interesting to me. I I have a lot of those records, and you recently made available to me some of the other ones that I didn't have. Yeah, and there's just so much great music um, that I probably would have never seen the light of day if he hadn't just decided, well, fuck it, let's do it ourselves. You know? Yeah, and I think a lot of it was. Um he had like the know-how that a lot of other people didn't have or like kind of the ability to be like, Hey, you can basically do this all on your, on your, uh, on your own. And you don't have to like be dependent on other people to do it, you know? Um, and that was kind of his approach from the beginning. Yeah. Too, because a lot of things. Yeah. When, now it was you or Kathy told me that, um, when he won the, uh, the money from, uh, Blaze Battle and you know Scribble Jam and all that stuff that he he put Kathy through college and then he built the studio. Is that right? Um, as far as I understand, like I'm not entirely sure, but as far as I understand it, like he yeah he used the Blaze Battle money to build a studio and then put his mom through college with kind of like other money that he made off of that off of you know touring and everything. Yeah. Um. So I you know the same money and the same whatever but yeah but so then from pretty much day one in terms of him like actually working on the records he put out he decided you know what i'm I'm not gonna take this you know record deal that everyone's talked about but um or use this new uh spotlight for yeah. fame or whatever he's like i'm gonna invest that back into the music and he became self-sufficient forever at that point. Yeah, and like I, I can't remember if it was a video or just like a, um, you know, just a regular like newspaper interview that I read um, where he was talking about because um, Firstborn is the only album that he did where it was completely recorded somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember him saying something about, uh, you know, if I want to go in and change like one little thing, I don't want to have to call somebody and book studio time and then go in, you know, and figure out and pay somebody else to change like one little thing. Like I want to be able to just go in and do that. 
which yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely. like a pretty simple statement, but when you actually think about that, you know, you have to like rewire your house yeah. um, to power that and know how to use everything. Like it's actually much easier to just call somebody else and have See, them go I, in there and I fix it. I don't or, think so though, man. Cause like I was talking to Ethan about this when we were over there on Sunday night yeah. that, uh, you know, having the ability to just, when you're stricken with inspiration, you know, to put down your fork and spoon and walk out into the other room and yeah. hit record is is a blessing that a lot of people don't have. Well, and, I, also, I, thought, I also think it's important to note, though, that he doesn't have, like, he wasn't building, like, a little, like, bedroom studio. He's building, like, a full... You yeah, know, yeah, full thing. Yeah, it wasn't like you know. Oh, here's a place where I can record. It's you know, here's a place where I'm going to record. You know. Yeah. And you can. I mean, you can hear that in. Oh in, yeah. You know the quality of those records too, um, and that was kind of before everything was pro tooled to death as well. So I mean, uh, the fact that he's doing these crazy intricate um, vocal tracks as clean as they are was not from you know some studio trickery yeah and shit and I, I remember the night that i met him um we had just done the illusionist sound check with the live band and um he he approached me at the merch table and uh was asking questions about you know our group and what we do he thought it was interesting style and you know i was like oh web makes all the beats and then for the shows we teach the band the songs you know that already existed and mm -hmm. did them you know we're talking about how on that record we did our second album ill is all we uh we wanted a really raw live sound and i i, I told him that i i put the uh beats on in through pa speakers and we used handheld mics and just you know ran around the room like it was a live show and had all that background beat noise and everything. And, and uh, he started telling me about how he's like, dude, I'll, I'll never do another um, like overproduced record again with, you know, all the extra backup vocals and ad libs and punches and all that stuff. He's like, man, I, uh, he goes with by the throat. He's like, I lit a candle. I had a bottle of wine. I dimmed the lights and I did every song like pretty much one take, you know. Uh, he, I mean, what he told me is he, yeah, he did that entire. I did all the vocals for By the Throat in one day. Yeah, yeah, he said he and did it in one sitting. I, and I think Chris was there too. And like, I think that it wasn't even like they stayed late into the night. It's like they, I think Chris had a show at like seven or something like that. They did <laughs> it. They did it in like eight hours. <laughs> God damn, dude, that's that's pretty amazing. Yep. And I mean, if you listen to that record though it's it's raw but it's not like it's not lacking in anything it's got so much yeah it's not like unpolished or character. yeah whatever sounding yeah yeah and it still sounds great um it yeah that it just goes to show that um if you have good songs and a good you know what you want to say yeah you know, yeah if you have the vision you don't need all the extra shit yeah you know and I, I always appreciate that kind of minimalist approach. Like I've, when I started Take Ninety Two, the re, I mean, part of the reason I named it that is because I didn't want to do that kind of recording. I wanted to get 
performances, you know. And in those early days, sometimes I got shitty performances because yeah. I didn't want to do a million takes and go through that whole, yeah, you know, process, process of faking it. But um, but over time, as I got more experience, you know, I was able to uh, to kind of find that balance between the live show and the recorded version, and just go in there and do it. And if it's if it's heartfelt then it's good you know even if it has some some rough edges and stuff and so i i always um and that that was a few years before i met him so hearing him say that was just kind of like reaffirming like yes let i need to keep doing this kind of stuff you know because like you'll do a feature with somebody and uh a lot of times you don't do it in person so they'll email you tracks you know and it's like here's the the lead vocal and then there's like four tracks behind it yeah. of uh you know filling in all the gaps of shit they didn't say and and extra shit that it needs and yeah. i'm like but listen to all my verses they're just one track yeah <laughs> now i gotta go add a bunch of shit to make it sound right with this guy <laughs> yeah to match it yeah because that's i mean that's like the standard pretty much is to cut it in pieces um actually i, th- I thought it was cool uh last night when michelle was up there and and um carnage said you know this is mikey's vocal coach i can't remember if it was on on the stage or when i interviewed her but talking about how uh you know she helped him learn to breathe and all that stuff so when you hear a song like now and you think how the fuck can this guy do it is because he worked at it yeah you know he he because you can have that idea and not be able to pull it off you know yeah a lot of people a lot of musicians i'm sure have a thing that they want to try and can't quite do it but if you're up there and you're doing ambitious shit you know he put in he's not like you know a lot of rappers they're not disciplined yeah no yeah and he was very disciplined in terms of like vocal you know like warm-ups and exercises and stuff um he would have, yeah, I, like he had books on it and stuff. I know that he would uh, actually go through and like do whatever exercises or routines it recommended. So yeah, he was definitely um, kind of saw like the bigger picture of, you know, like to be able to do stuff like now or whatever, you know, um, you actually had to like not just be cool and like good at it, but like, you know, work on other things yeah i work out yeah i work on like conditioning yourself to be able to do it now you went on tour with ena uh twice yep how was that uh it was it was really cool both times uh the first time i was 20 um damn dude yeah that's that's so fucking exciting yeah i was uh so i was 20 and it was right at the end of summer i was gonna go back to school um or college you know um in the fall and uh yeah he called me up and he like woke me up and it was like a tuesday morning and uh he was like hey like would you ever want to like, go to merch on tour with us and like you know help us out and uh i was like yeah sure and he's like well we leave thursday <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah like i just you know figured it out and like i was like there's you know there's two weeks left before i go back to school it's two hours a week and a half. Like I might as well just, I was working at a subway at the time. I was like, I might as well just quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what I, I ended up going on tour with those guys for, uh, 
like, you know, 10 days or whatever it was. It was like a Southwest, U.S., uh, you know, Colorado, New Mexico, a couple Texas states. Um, yeah, it was just a blast both times I did it. So I did it in 2008, summer 2008 and summer of 2010. What do you remember about that first tour and just, you know, you being so green and thrown into it with these guys? Yeah, it was like really overwhelming, actually. Like, um, I'd never, you know, like done, you know, merch or done any of that and um, didn't, had no clue how to, how to do it. And there was the first night was in, uh, I think like Omaha or Lincoln, Nebraska. And, um, I just remember Max at the end of the night being like, dude, come on, let's go. Like you gotta, you gotta like, fi- you gotta like figure out like who, who's owed what. And like, I just had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but it was like really cool at the same time to be like doing it, you know? So, um, what do you remember about those, uh, those drives in the van? Cause you know, when you're, when you're, on the road, man, it's just conversation, conversation all day long. I remember we played about a lot of like, uh, I can't remember the exact games, but they were like, it was all based on like movie. It was something that has to do with like movies and like knowing like, um, I can't remember if it's like movies that started with like a certain letter or like people that were in movies. It wasn't like an actual like board game or anything that we were playing. It was a road game. Road game. Yeah. And, uh, I just remember just being put to shame because they had both seen like so many more. Well, and they would have seen the same kind of ones too. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, like, well, they're older than me to begin with, but then yeah, they just seen so many more movies and like you know whatever than I had. Um, and yeah, there's like, it was the Southwest, and so it was, like, it was a lot of like eight hour drives. So like, there was a lot of time in the van on that on that particular trip. And how how well did you know them at that point? Were, were you already doing the street team stuff at that point? And yeah, stuff? but I I mean that's like when I met Max. I met Max over at Kathy's house the morning we left. Oh really? Yeah, I'd seen ENA play and everything, and um, I'd seen him do shows and everything, but I'd never actually like met him before that. Um, but I knew Michael fairly well. I mean, somewhat well at that point, you know. Um, through the crush kill stuff and I'd been a fan since high school. So I was like definitely familiar with like their music and how did you first come into contact? Um, it was, I think I just started talking to Chris, like after like an, an absorber show. Actually, it was a show that absor- it was a Absorber and Carbon Carousel. They both played at the Varsity Theater together, um, in I think it was like January of two thousand seven ish. Might have been December. I was back for like a winter break, um, and I think um, they might have posted something or whatever about like a street team, and and then kind of from there I became. It was, it wasn't very memorable. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Okay, but it sure turned into something awesome. Yeah. What What was the second tour? Uh, the second tour was actually the last. Ended up what ended up being the last ENA tour. Um, which it was summer of 2010. That was yeah. It was like July of 2010. It was with um, uh, Christoph Crane and uh, Educated Consumers were on like the majority of the dates, but not like every single one. I actually remember. 
um, I wasn't there because I didn't come to the Northwest, but um, I remember that tour coming up. It was like July 10th or something that uh, uh, he was telling Webb to finish. Um, like, get me that first beat mix, man. I want to hear that. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're leaving on the on the 10th or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember him sending that first one and, and uh, Mike calling him on the phone and just nerding out how excited he was to try uh, uh, to try and, and, and redo it over his style and, sh- and shit. And then they, they left on tour and that's when Webb started making like a bunch of them because at that point he had just made a bunch the, of the, the, the first one. throw remixes. Yeah, yeah, the remixes, yeah. Um, yeah, because at that point, um, you know, it had been a couple of months and he was just like almost... Uh, you know, it's intimidating. Like, okay, what, yeah. what is the first thing that I send these guys? Because it's got to be something standard, really good, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, he sent him this story. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember their their reaction was just so in, so encouraging that while you guys were out on the road, then he was just woodshedding and making, out, like, yeah. three versions of every song and doing all that shit. But, but yeah, so where, where was that... Uh, where did that tour end up going? Um, it was... Um, started in Cleveland and then it was mostly East Coast dates. Um, so we did like Buffalo, Toronto, New York City, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, then kind of like worked our way back around through like Madison and Chicago. And actually ENA played like, played two festivals during it. They played a festival that was technically the first day of the tour that then Chris and I drove out to Ohio and they flew out and met us there. And then Chris and I had like an extra day in New York City and where they flew back and played the block party in Minneapolis. So there was two Minneapolis dates of it, neither of which I was there for. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, it was, I think, like 18 or 20 shows. Nice. What when you went on the first tour that was kind of in there almost like reuniting trying trying out new material out. stuff yeah. like they they cuz they disappeared for a little while while Mike was doing side projects and whatever and uh I remember I'd seen them every time they came through Eugene except that uh when they when they did the tour in like 2008 um I I can't remember why I I couldn't uh, make it but I remember missing that one and then hearing from my friends that they were playing new shit. I was like, wait, what? Like, I hadn't heard anything from them yeah. since 2004 or something, 2005. Um, do, do you remember uh, like them trying out that mat- new material and then going out there after it? Had- um, I don't remember any differences about it, but I remember just being blown away by Burn Fetish was one of the songs that they were playing back in 2008 on that tour. Um they're playing Burn Fetish and Skydiver, I think, were the two songs that they were playing off of By the Throat. How were, like, how were people reacting to that stuff in the in the early days? I mean, I think, I just remember, like, my, like people would come up to the merch table and be like, what was that song? It was like, no. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was like one of like the unreleased ones. I don't think it was even, I don't know if it was like called Burn Fetish then, but that was the one that really blew me away hearing that live um and that was hearing like, that for the first time rather that was like one of the more hip-hop sounding songs on that on that record so that's probably a good introduction 
Yeah, and then Skydiver is kind of like one of the more weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got the like airy two different break beats of, yeah. over the top of each other. Yeah. Left and right. And that big like spacey lack of chorus yeah. where it just kind of breathes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that that's interesting to me because I remember when I first heard uh, Spin Cycle, I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, because <laughs> yeah. you're hearing for the first time all this live instrumentation and um i i met jeremy last night and he was telling me a little bit about that too and um you know they had been doing carbon carousel and max had these beats and um like were you in the loop on any of that stuff when he was um like starting to to play guitar and and bass and stuff like that on on the beats um no i mean obviously like i've saw carbon carousel shows and stuff but um i mean i guess i didn't see it firsthand but it kind of follows logically that after doing something like carbon carousel the next ena album would have to be affected by that direction that he was heading you know like it there's no way you could do that much of like a 180 where you're like you know, a rap, just like a straight up rapper, battle rapper. And then you start playing instruments and playing in a band. Um, you know, yeah, when, when basically like your, your last record says, I'm a B boy. That's the best way to define me. And then the next record you put out is alternative rock, like grungy, yeah. <laughs> like noisy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a, a pretty big shift for sure. Um, <clears throat> and and on on my end on the west coast or or in Oregon anyway like that that music wasn't around really you know yeah. those crush kill projects um weren't weren't making it that far out and so it was a total surprise um, yeah you know to to a lot of us and I'm sure in different parts of the country um <clears throat> cuz you're getting to see the evolution for, firsthand yeah. here in town well yeah like a lot of the, the side projects um like carbon carousel only played like 10 or 12 shows total wow almost all of them were in minneapolis um the same with like puppy dogs and ice cream i think they did like seven or eight shows total again you know i think all of them all those were in were in minneapolis or maybe one was in like duluth or something like that but they're all you know within three hours of here so it's like yeah there was a localized thing yeah unless you like really i mean back then unless you found them on myspace and yeah. clicked like the add to cart paypal um you know button <laughs> like you weren't yeah. there's no way you're gonna get to hear that you know there wasn't spotify there wasn't anything like that you know I think that's what a lot of people forget. Like that was only like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was harder to come by for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I remember, um, when, um, we were talking that first show just about, uh, recording. Then we ended up talking about music and, 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 and records that we were inspired by at the time. And, you know, he's telling me about kill the vultures and stuff like that and i'd never even heard the name at all so i'm like writing it down he's like yeah go to their myspace and yeah and and, Got four and, songs and message him yeah and, <laughs> yeah and and you can order the cd and so I, I went on there and i messaged 
uh, Crescent Moon. Yeah. And I, I was like, hey, man, uh, I was just recommended to check out your music. I want to order this. you know. And it's not like a real store. So like I sent him money, and then it never came. And so like a month later, I messaged him again, and I was like, hey, uh, what did you ever send that? What happened? Did it get lost in the mail? And he's like, oh, I forgot about that. He's like, uh, let me send you Careless Flame, too. And so... Um, I got like both of those records in one day and I remember sitting down and opening them and just listening to them back to back like Jesus Christ like yeah. how did I miss this amazing shit yeah yeah I mean like I can definitely remember like mailing checks to people that, that whose CD I wanted yeah you know and like you know that was in college and that wasn't that long ago <laughs> so here we are a few years later and uh, you know now now you're the one uh, kind of behind... Mailing them out. Yeah, yeah you're, you're the one uh, behind getting that to people. So what do you see is the future of Crush Kill? Like, what what keeps you doing it all this time? Um, I just don't... Like, well, one, like, just kind of keeping everything, like, available and around um, and keeping like on doing um stuff like you know like south by southwest showcases and um obviously not like frequently but events like the five year um there's just like a necessity for that um and also um just kind of having the hand in like making stuff that wouldn't maybe otherwise be available or that people wouldn't otherwise like know about kind of bring that to the forefront and hopefully like helping artists, you know, like reach more people based on the fact that I've been like dedicated to it for the last like five years. And there's like a follow, you know, somewhat of a following for it. Um, and also just being able to kind of like get creative with it and, you know, package stuff how I want to and, I don't know, get, get show fans that I appreciate that they're checking it out, you know, getting stuff for them quickly and throwing in extra stuff and, and you just kind of do, doing like unique stuff. Yeah, yeah. You guys do different things that, and, and you're engaged with the audience. I mean, you know what people want, Yeah, you know, and even just getting out, uh, like it, it might seem silly to people who have been listening for years, you know, to ENA stuff, but, um, you know, you said last night at the five-year celebration show, you brought like a dozen firstborn CDs and sold out of them. So it's like, yeah, there's still people being introduced to his music all the time, and you're 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 getting it out there to people and, who might not have come across it. Yeah, and also just like on a bigger level, like um, I'm just very like into and excited by like when I hear cool music, like whether or not I'm putting it out or have any stand in it like financially or whatever um i like just having that like that facebook page i can post on and be like here's this cool new record i found it might be like some weird punk record or whatever but like i don't know like i'm just like i get excited by finding new music and i want to share it with people and it's not about like the bottom line like i don't obviously you know stand like profit or anything by posting some random punk bands like Bandcamp page yeah um but it's cool that 
I can show people stuff and like maybe they'll check it out. So, yeah, and and I mean, all of us who are part of this community were fans first. Oh yeah, you know, and that that shows I think. 100%. Yeah, and I definitely like still think of myself like first and foremost as like a fan of what stuff I'm selling and you know whatever, um, just because that's kind of how it like what it grew from you know it grew from like handing out flyers or like just being at shows and being like hey you know it'd be cool if there were more people at this show <laughs> you yeah know? yeah so well and when um w- when you guys decided to keep it going after he passed did kathy approach you or did you approach her because you were kind of in the fold already or um i don't know it was weird it wasn't even really a conversation um it was just like necessity um, I was, I just booked a tour for, uh, Chris Sadistic and oh, the Kaz Noah, one? no, Noah 23. Oh. No, this was like the, it never happened. We had to cancel oh, it. Oh, okay. It was like the leave the summer tour. Um, oh, that's the one that, okay. Sadistic mentioned that in the, in the song, Michael, the me and Christoph. Yeah. Was yeah. supposed to go on tour. That's when I'm, that's when I met Cody. When I met Cody okay. was a, the same day. Uh, it was like the day after Michael died. Um, was the first time I ever met Cody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I met him, and then Chris came out and told me that Michael had passed away. Um, yeah, it was a crazy way to meet him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just booked that tour. Then we just then we canceled it. Um, so I kind of had, like, two weeks that I didn't have to be anywhere. <laughs> I was going to go on that tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'd booked all like, it was, I think 16 shows in 15 days or something. Um, cause there was like one all ages, you know, then house party or something like that night. Um, so yeah, I, like I was literally given like the PayPal login <laughs> and then like, I just figured it out from there, man. And there was a ton, like, you know, obviously when he passed away, there was a lot of attention and like press and stuff. So randomly all of his like, you know, all the carbon carousel stuff and like his poetry books where it was like literally like a PayPal button embedded in a MySpace site. Oh, so you're getting like an influx of new attention. Yeah. Yeah. It was like five days after he passed or four or five days after he passed away. It's like, here's the PayPal password. And he hadn't shipped anything in like a month. He'd done like pre-orders on a poetry book. Oh yeah. And then he hadn't like he had been like assembling them the night before he passed away. And so there was like a couple hundred things to ship. And I'd like, I had no, you know, no direct experience with shipping out merchandise or anything like that. Yeah. So I was just kind of thrown into it. Well, it's awesome that, um, that, that, that you jumped in, had your trial by fire (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, and kept it going this long. It's, it's amazing. And, and as someone who, uh, you know, came into the fold, um, you know, in this, in this second five years, I, uh, uh, it's, it, it's great to me that I knew him for a very short time and, you know, we only had a very few interactions, but he was so genuine and supportive and, uh, you know, for a guy that I'd listened to for years at that point, you know, since I was a freshman in high school, um, you know, and, and to get that, 
that encouragement and that validation and 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 him treating it like a real friendship was just so exciting and 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 to have the rug pulled out all of a sudden was just so uh i mean it was just so blindsiding i mean i'm sure for everyone it just felt so weird for me because i went from like longtime fan to you know i think a lot barely of, yeah. friends and then gone and and yeah. so the fact that 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 like kathy um and and you and 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 just everybody you know carnage and east and sees mics and you know christoph and and sadistic and you know whether i met him before or after um the fact that everybody he touched just came together like family you know yeah and you guys continue to give us a reason to come together and see each other and you know like like uh, carnage was just saying yesterday man like we've known each other five or six years at this point but we've seen each other more times you know uh this year than since you yeah. know we toured together back on death of a salesman so yeah. you know it it's it's just such a, a a tremendous experience to be able to come back from thousands of miles away and 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 be part of this thing with everybody so yeah just thank you and thank kathy for everything you guys do man yeah and it's, it's definitely like a two-way street like it's been an awesome year for us in terms of um the many faces of mikey coming out the or the then and now dvd was like december of last year technically but um then you know the south by southwest thing the five years it's just been like a crazy year that, but at the same time it's it's also in that like you know we get to see everybody and hang out at like south by southwest and like this weekend so it's cool in terms of it's like an insane amount of work but yeah getting everybody in like the same place at the same time you know from whether they're you know down in austin or out in eugene or you know out in maryland um it's really a cool thing that it keeps bringing us all like back together <laughs> to yeah, hang and, out and, and all people that you know met him at totally different times in our lives and his had totally unique um circumstances but all had the same feeling about it in the way that he inspired them to do better or he saw and something whatever it was yeah. yeah or he saw something that that we didn't see in ourselves you know and so it's like everyone trying to navigate life with that new um outlook you know or yeah. that optimism that he gave them and and uh yeah it's just it's just really exciting and and you and i had a conversation around the time of uh, famous last words coming out i've been grateful for you know we've done a few records together now so i was really excited when i said hey i've got you know this new thing uh famous last words uh you know would you be interested in doing another one i know we just did bears repeating last year and uh you're like oh absolutely and i was like don't you want to hear it first and you're like no no let's let's do it man i got your back and i, I was so excited by that but then when it came out and we talked and uh it was right after the whole austin south by thing yep. and you were just going on and on about I'm, oh i remember it was it was easter sunday 
Because I was staying, I had barricaded myself in the other room at my mom's house, and she's like, "Come on, we'll sit down to dinner." I was like, "No, I'm, t- I, I can't right now," because uh, you were just going off about how exciting it was watching everyone's growth the last couple years and seeing all of our friends just doing great things, yeah, and, and you know realizing. Uh, kind of our, our potentials within ourselves and, and like and, together. Yeah. Yeah. And building each other up. And I don't know. I just, that, that was a memorable conversation yeah, definitely. to me. Your, I, your enthusiasm I was being, contagious. I forget that it was Easter, but yeah, I definitely remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Do you think we're going to do uh, another South by, is that going to be a recurring? I mean, I would, I would love to, um, that's kind of de- dependent on the, um, uh, slop musket guys but i mean i talked to carnage last week and he's definitely into it i would love to um i know i'll probably go either way (laughs) so cool i'll be there whether or not there's a crush kill showcase but it would be 10 times better if there were yes well well hit me up one way or another yep That'd, that'd be awesome well is there is there anything else you wanted to touch on before uh we go to the airport and I fly no. home. Nope, I'm ready for my fifth trip to the airport this weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, uh, thanks again for everything you do and and for 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 putting me up in your house yep. here. And uh, thanks for having yeah. me on your uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll do it again before too long. Definitely. Well, if you made it this far, I, I sincerely thank you. We had a spectacular night. Really amazing performances. Um, just just truly awesome amount of love in the room that night from all the artists, the fans, the friends, the family. Um, thank you to, to everybody who supports Idea, continues to share his music and, and keep him alive. Um, major shout out to Kathy once again for putting this together and, and all my love to my man DJ Abilities. It's great to see you up there again. We're going to leave you with a track called Step by Step. This is one of my favorites from Idea's solo album, Many Faces of Oliver Hart. And this version is actually a, a remix from Jeremy Ilvesacker that Kathy put on a, a new compilation called The Many Faces of Mikey. So um, if you've been after any of those um, rare tracks, uh, trying to get anything else, from Idea, see what was left behind. Um, that's that's a great way to start. So look up the many faces of Mikey on michaellarson.com. This is Step by Step, the remix. See, it was September 1st, 1999, the day of my death. My back was on the cold concrete as I took my last breath. And I saw my body laying on the ground as my soul hovered above it. Damn idea, he was a good looking cat But anyway, another day at 18 years of age Stepping to heaven's gates, anxious to see what God's got to say Maybe he'll give me a gift for always saying my prayer But he might send me downstairs for last year's love affair Well, who cares? You know, right now it's all a mystery I mean, I find out when I get there Until then, I can't let it get to me I'm keeping my cool Besides, everybody dies I'll just follow the white light like they do in the movies 
It seems like hours went by and I'm still traveling right towards the brightness. Now this ain't heaven or hell, this realm is lifeless. And I hate to say it, but this wild goose chase had me bored. No directions, no clues, and no idea what I was in for. But then forward I kept floating. And in a quick flash, the light split directly in half and created a forked path. Representing each side was an angel. Now what's the task I have to untangle to meet the big man in charge? I asked, and the one to the right of me said, one of us always lies and one always tells the truth. Ask the right one the right question and he'll direct you to heaven. But if you ask the wrong one, son, farewell. You're going straight to well. <laughs> Y'all get the picture. And the one on my left told me not to listen to his fibs. He said it ain't that complicated to find out where God lives. He told me to follow his path and tell God he said hi. Then the one on my right jumped in and told me not to believe his lies. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't care much for life, but I'd have tried to stay alive forever if I knew this is what death was like. I was never good at problem solving, especially in emergencies. I get a tad bit nervous when concerned with burning for eternity. But anyways, I asked them which one lied, and they pointed at each other. And thinking I had it, I asked them the name of my mother. One said he don't know, the other said he know, but he can't tell me. God damn, this is gonna be hard. And so I asked like 30 questions and I still wasn't sure. Then being me, I got pissed and gave them pricks a few good words. Frustrated with it all, I turned my back to the angels. And when I walked away to my surprise, I found myself in heaven. how I walked into heaven. I walked away, walked away, walked straight into heaven, walked away, walked away, walked straight into heaven, walked away, walked away, walked straight into heaven. Walked away, walked away, walked